0: Please, until you let go But what is me. I'm
1: talking about your money. I i
2: got a back pocket full of stick around. did we say who I am, or am I just a person talking? Oh, <laughs> I just okay. thought about it. Oh, shit. That, that, was, that was the thought I had. Introductions.
0: Austin, are we still doing introductions, or are we going to leave that for last episode? Yeah, do, it.
3: do
0: it. Okay, fuck. How am I going to like put this in, in the beginning?
3: Well, I can redo my piece. You can't even exist. You edit it, just move it, brother. Okay, (laughs) all right.
0: So I'm Dalton. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Austin Dalton. Question mark. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Austin. And we have a special guest. Um, kind of somehow started the domino effect of this podcast existing, possibly. Hundred percent. Ed from Pod Van Dam.
2: Hello, I'm Ed from Pod Van Dam. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it is through uh Padre that dalton and i met so it, it's it is a great privilege and honor to have ed here with us i'm so glad you guys use zoom because i forgot
2: that i've had to use this one time at the beginning of the pandemic and then i got this cool zoom background behind yeah me. i like it it's the uh, cast of Soccer quest and they're all napping on the couch because they've been working so hard at their tours board jobs
3: <laughs> Dude, you and my brother are gonna be fast friends. I just know it. Like, Sometimes I oh. feel like I'm talking to my brother. Lungs. You don't need them. You don't no, need lungs. Not at all. Lungs are overrated. You only need the one, like a kidney, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. I know I know at least one person that only has one lung. Uh top or bottom lung. That's a good question. What? <laughs> John Wayne had like, he had like a whole lung removed at one point. Like the guy couldn't die. He got cancer like twice and a lung removed and just, just never, never, never succumbed to death.
0: I guarantee you he didn't stop smoking either. I oh, guarantee no, he smoked like three packs a day,
3: one lung. Not a chance. Well, there's <laughs> Dude, a, my there's, dad. Oh, good.
2: My dad was so upset when I told him about John Wayne being a racist because my dad loves John Wayne. And my dad is like the least racist person in the world. And he would like try to talk around it and be like, nah, nah, that's what he said. And I'm like showing him the interview. I'm like, no, this is what he said. And he's like, well, back then, I go, you what, back then, what? He goes, no, I guess not. I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, you know, he's an old timer, you know, he's an old timer. And it's like, okay, whatever you got to tell my, yourself. My man.
3: favorite role John Wayne ever played was when they cast him as Genghis Khan, which yeah. Yeah, dude. is the worst. It's super funny. Wait, and that's what? What movie is this? It's, it's, it's Genghis called, Khan. It's called Genghis Khan.
2: And John Wayne plays Genghis Khan. But he doesn't like change a thing about how he... It's just John Wayne, but they drew little (laughs) eyeliner marks on the side of his eyes. Other than that, it's John Wayne.
3: So it's a
0: racist. It's still racist, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. He's like, how you doing there, Pilgrim? This is Genghis (laughs) Khan. I'm from Asia. (laughs) I'm here to rape and plunder your women, folk.
2: (laughs) Dude, but my favorite John Wayne performance is when... They uh, name drop him in Arrested Development. I don't remember that. They don't say his name, but it's clearly about John Wayne, where he's like, oh, he's like, Tobias is giving Michael shit. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm going to build an airport. Put my
3: dad's name on it. (laughs) (laughs) It's perfect. I love there's a story about him not liking uh, Dennis Hopper at all. And when he and Dennis Hopper used to hide from him when they were both on the studio lot at the same time, because he was (laughs) because John Wayne would see him. He'd start chasing around the studio, calling him a pinko bastard what the fuck does that mean it's a communist they called him pinkos oh okay so yeah it's a
2: it's a tommy lee jones jim carrey situation yeah exactly i don't sanction your
3: buffoonery (laughs) i just read about that for the first time and i was like funny dude i was like man tommy lee jones needs to lighten up although i think jim carrey would be really annoying to work with
2: uh i watched the andy kaufman movie documentary he made and that's when I started to hate Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> because like you're just Jim- an asshole. You aren't channeling anyone. You're just being a prick. Because Andy wasn't a prick. You know what I mean? And like Jerry Lawler is so confused by all of it. Cause he's like, if he's wanting to be Andy, why is he being mean to me? Because Andy was my friend. Right. And he's like he's like, he doesn't get it. It's like, yeah, dude, it's just Jim Carrey being an asshole. Looking
3: for an excuse to be an asshole.
2: Yeah. Why how could you know all he all he knows about andy kaufman and still think like this guy is probably a prick to everybody instead of like this guy was like the nicest sweetest human being in the world and the joke was he was acting like a prick like when people were around her cameras were like or when he was tony orlando or any of that
3: you know like there was there was it was a show
2: i think the biggest soapbox or the biggest
0: hot take i've ever had is that jim carrey is not a good actor i do not enjoy jim carrey movies yeah,
3: at right.
2: all I'm like, I'm a '90s baby, and I still don't think he's like that funny. I loved him right. though in third grade. Apparently, <laughs> like I, I had a bunch of Jim Carrey posters and stuff.
0: Dude, yeah. just those
2: like outrageous like facial expressions. That's
0: it. Anybody can do that. Anybody can
3: go la, 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 la. and it, it, being in a movie. It, it, I don't yeah, know, man. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not gonna. That's definitely not a hill I'm willing to die on. I don't really give a shit. It's better than
2: Adam Sandler, but like. You can take that back. Dude, Adam Sandler's the shittiest <laughs> fucking little actor ever.
3: Yeah, he's pretty terrible. Ugh. And he's managed yeah. to stick around for a lot longer than I ever thought he would.
2: I like when people tell me that, like, oh, no, like, what's the, the Diamonds one? They're like, he's oh, really yeah. good in that. Yeah, and yeah, like, And yeah. that down. makes me hate him more because he still did, like... Mr. Deeds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Going back keeps... to Jim Carrey, you could say the same thing for him because he was really good in Butterfly Effect. But if you look at fucking The Mask or Bruce Almighty, it's really effect? really bad.
3: Are you talking? Of, are you
0: talking about uh, Room Twenty Three? Is that it?
2: The Eternal... number one. I know what you're talking about the one what where. What like, fucking the number. movie am I thinking about right yeah. now? I'm not a horror movie boy. I don't know, but I know that he did a movie where he's like obsessed with the number. Yeah, I know, I
3: what, don't you're know what you're talking about. Talking about it all. Hold on. Butterfly can effect
2: you... is Ashton Kutcher though. Yeah. That's what um oh, it's the same all guy. of the
3: <laughs> all
2: of the uh foreign girls that we worked with at Cedar Point would tell me that I looked like Ashton Kutcher. And I'd be like, no, I just have brown hair and a trucker hat. I don't look like Ashton Kutcher. Number twenty three. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Not
3: butterfly effect. I will say, Ed, you don't look like Ashton no. Kutcher. I can, no. I can attest to that.
2: I've only gotten one celebrity that I look like though, and I don't agree with it either, but people argue with me on it. That little skinny man from Criminal Minds. I don't know who that is. I don't watch Criminal CBS. Minds is like a mom cop show. Right. Like CVS, your mom watches That's it why I don't cop watch show.
3: A show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh well Don, how do you want to kick this thing off? You wanna
0: do to... like normal? Talk about a week, man. Uh fuck, I don't have anything to talk about really. Except for me working like day shift and night shift, but I've told that story already. That's boring. was
3: fresh from a nap on the couch. He, he yeah, yeah. Up- oh, it's football season!
0: <laughs> Today was football. I got to watch my Falcons get smashed. It was horrible. It was awful. I just got drunk and took a nap on the couch like halfway through the
2: game when I woke up and it was over. So, uh, the Steelers won and I didn't doubt it for a minute.
3: <laughs> <laughs> my mom texted me about the, the Saints. She's a big Saints fan, so she's very excited about that. I did not watch any of those things um but i have been watching and this maybe like sort of in prep for this unintentionally i've started to rewatch all of the texas chainsaw massacre movies because <laughs> this episode is going to be like the texas bible study massacre um and so yeah it's, it's yeah. the murder joel no no but he's based in texas and he's oh he's okay kind of a psycho so um yeah I think really? I've only
0: seen one Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, and I'm pretty sure it was like Oof, the reboot. I'm sorry, there's good ones out there. I mean, That's it was okay. One. It was
4: all
3: right for I, what it was. I just watched that a couple of nights ago. I rewatched. I watched it forever. I, frick. I and for some reason, I had it in my head. I was like, this wasn't bad. And then I rewatched it. I was like, this is fucking terrible.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad, like all the horror movies I liked. From like high school, were like bad already. Right. So like when I rewatched them, I'm like, oh, Night of the Creeps, still bad. Yeah. This is great. But I love in, it. It's
3: in a good way, you know. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Night yeah. of the Creeps is excellent. Like, and I can watch some really, like on their face, they're not good movies, but they're really yeah. entertaining. I'm totally on that. But I'm like, I think when it's when they take themselves too seriously and then are bad, <laughs> it's like there's no fun in this movie. Like this is just a slog with Jessica Beale when she had a career. It'd be worse. You could you could be watching Saw.
2: Saw movies yeah, are pretty terrible. Pretty the first Saw one, one
3: is very good. That one's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Saw <it> is, one.
2: <laughs> I got I got tricked into seeing it. I don't think I was ever angrier at my friends in my life. That movie was extremely fucked up. And on the way out, I said, anyone who had part in like writing that should be locked up forever because your brain shouldn't think reverse bear trap. A normal person's brain would never think reverse bear trap. And if it can, if your brain can like conjure that up, you're a dangerous person and I you think, should be locked I think away. That was like a
3: reaction to, to like the post-9-11 blood rage that everybody in this country felt where they're like we're murder and kill and what, wrong. Mo-
2: what movie came was it a Shrek? I think a Shrek came out around the same time. And that's what they all lied to me and said we we're going to see. And I was like, fuck yeah dude. Let's go you know Shrek. what? I'd be mad too Shrek is really good. Yeah. yeah, man, I've seen all the Shrek movies, including the 4D theater in Orlando uh, Universal. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've Perfect. seen that, dude. It's awesome.
0: The he sneezes the on fucking... you and you get a little you. Yeah.
2: Oh, yes. Baby.
0: Oh, I'm glad somebody can relate to that. That was so good. It's like right there as you come in the park. It's great.
3: And that's it, folks. But, Thanks uh, so much for joining us today uh, no. <laughs> on Shrek Talk. Shrek talk
2: for Shrek talk. You put a guest on and you just ask them, do you like Shrek? And then they say what Shrek movies they've seen. And then that's it. That's the podcast.
3: And you play uh, Rockstar every time. (laughs) I had a thought,
0: but it left. I'll probably come back to it later. (laughs) I can't remember what I was going to bring it up.
3: Let's keep going. Well, you guys want to talk about Joel Osteen? Definitely, he's my hero. Wood Church, (laughs) and I'm curious what do what do you know about Osteen? Um,
2: so I know that Joel Osteen is the pastor of a mega church. I know that when we went to WrestleMania for Houston, that my friend's dad called us on Sunday and was like, "You boys should really get down there and check out Joel Osteen's church." (laughs) And his dad was a millionaire, so this makes sense. Um. Um, I know that he had to be bullied into letting people sleep there during, like, a hurricane, right? He had to be bullied into it. Um, I know he's got a, a Lambo, I think.
4: <laughs>
3: Good. Um, We're going to cover all of that,
2: too. Yeah. I know his teeth are terrifying. They're
3: like giant. They're like, eat, eat your face, giant.
2: Um, and I know this from my days of going to church, that what he preaches, uh, pastors call prosperity gospel. And a lot of pastors have a big problem with it about yep. him preaching that you can make money through God. Yep. Which uh, I hate him. I yeah. hate him. I really do hate this. Yeah, man. You're,
3: you're you're gonna hate him even more, I think, after this. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have to say, I I kind of came into this with um some preconceived notions about who this guy was, and I, I this just doing the research for this has definitely changed a little bit of that. Um, but I still. Think oh, he's... so your take is Joel Osteen, good guy? No, not at all. <laughs> just, Worst guy? Yeah, we're <laughs> evil, and like bad guy, but in a different way than I had expected it to be. This
0: is a little different, right, Austin? Like this isn't like a whole life introspective of this person. This yeah, is so more of like a
3: book report. Kind of. I right? It started that way, because I thought that'd be the easy way out, but as I started to read this book, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? We need to know some about this guy, because I think that like just reading this ridiculous book by itself, which I did do, and I'm going to subject you to a little bit of that, uh, isn't enough, but I think you need to just, like, see this guy's whole trajectory and how he kind of became as famous as he is um, with his giant teeth. and. <laughs> His small, not really small, fortune that he's managed to make from being a preacher.
2: Now I've never seen his wife, but I'm sure she's blonde, right? Yes,
3: hundred percent. She is. <laughs> you know, if you close your eyes, I you, can you see, see her, you, know, you can see you, you and yeah, you're yeah, right yeah. on. You are spot on yeah. with what Victoria Osteen looks like, dude. And, I, I went. To, oh, that's her name? Yes, yeah, sorry. That's
0: unfortunate.
2: <laughs> I, was, uh, I was a church boy for a decade, so yeah, I definitely can picture. Joel Osteen's wife, yeah. little red suit, and she's like skirt suit. You know what I'm 100%, talking about? 100%. Yeah, she has a skirt yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know.
3: And she's a preacher too. She's of she's, a, is. she's a minister at the church. They of course take, she is.
2: They, they take turns. Um, yeah, because like if he's not there to do it, why why not her? Right? It's like oh, yeah, when my plumber's not available, I just have my plumber's wife come over <laughs>
3: to fix things. <laughs> exactly. Now, this is a whole family affair too. There's a lot of Ostiens. Oh that yeah, church. his
2: dumb little kids involved in it, and I saw that. His, his dumb brother, son, his sister.
3: He's got a yeah. That's a whole thing. Um, so we'll start off. Let's 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 roll. Um, I will. So when did his parents fuck? <laughs> <laughs> exactly six times, and they had six children, and that was it.
0: <laughs> oh, so is, is that like the type of Christianity he's in? It's like.
2: It's he's bad. don't call it he isn't first off. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Let's get that straight. Uh, he's not involved in Christianity. No. No. Oh I mean, yeah.
0: Ed is our little Christian uh he's our little uh Source Christian, you yeah, can tell
2: your, I can be your yeah. I'm your source. I went to this stupid shit for ten years. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, so that's um, that's kind of why I thought it would be interesting, you know, for you to be on this because then I as I start telling you about it, because there's, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of religious scholars that are in your corner on this. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, it's like, not.
2: It's 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 easy to be because it, we're right. Because share should be a millionaire <laughs> and also a Christian. Those things right. don't exist together. And Even like and when I was in the thick of it before i realized like oh, this is uh, they're not really doing this right um mega church is always like were weird to me like always yeah. it's just like why oh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense how you can be a millionaire <laughs> like shouldn't you use that money to like help people like oh. to the point where like when my church was getting a new building and I was one of the few people that voted no. because so I was like, this one still works. Use that money for other things. And they're like, well, we kind of need more space so we don't have to do two services. I'm like, that is not a good enough reason. Oh, Ed, you're <laughs> going to be so mad. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> but- so <many> <laughs> I us just so say
0: that Jesus loves money and Jesus loves hoarding wealth
2: uh I'm a fucking republican
3: gun <laughs> unto- in white jesus does and this is the church of white jesus 100% this is it and you, and it's it's going to be really apparent why um so it's it's actually a little bit of a surprise that Joel Osteen became the the head uh preacher at Lakewood Church because he's the youngest of six kids he's the only the second boy and i just feel like in a lot of these churches it's always this patriarchal, you know, like the oldest boy takes over. Um but he didn't really even want to be a preacher originally. He his dad was a preacher, started up Lakewood Church and had a pretty big congregation. Um and then he he sent about 5000 members actually. Um and then he sent his youngest boy to Oral Roberts University. <laughs>
0: Hey, we've covered this. We've talked about this guy before. Oh, yeah. A
3: lot of people went there. I think we talked about last time, like, Kathy Lee Gifford (laughs) went to Oral Roberts and Kenneth Copeland went to Oral Roberts.
2: Nothing says that, like, you're on a mission... That God has called you on more than your dad forcing you to do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well,
3: he he doesn't last long because he he only he drops out after the first year. And he's never to to his credit or discredit, he's never taken a single theology class in his entire academic career. wait is this like a real college or yeah. is it just like it's a private a religious it's a private college? it's a private religious college it's like jerry okay. falwell's american university or whatever i think that's what's called
0: when we first talked about him we talked about him with uh laroy jenkins and a.a allen i thought it was just like a school that like these prosperity gospel preachers went to and like all right man i'm gonna smart you up kid there's a like
2: work it like they learn to work there. It's right,
3: right. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that there is a high percentage of prosperity gospel people that get come out of that school, but you don't have to necessarily go to become a preacher. You well, can wait, go. what?
2: How how long do you know how long Oral Roberts
3: University has uh, been a long around? Time. I think it was started in the 70s.
2: That makes sense then, because that's when like uh, evangelicalism started to like spread in America is the yeah. 70s and 80s. So the fact that like these people took advantage of it to make money. Is not yeah, that. All shocking. those guys
3: were like setting up oh well, there's a bunch of them that set up universities because they were like, How do we keep our our grift going? How do we keep this rolling? And it's like, Oh, we need to train more people to do exactly what we do. And so even though like Oral Roberts is is lasted and probably the most well known of these schools and has been around the longest, it's there's still just a ton of them that you've never heard of. And it's like where you go if you've been, you know, if you've been forced to be homeschooled and this is where you go for college just to, to put the little <laughs> the chef's kiss on your brainwashing. <laughs> this, is, this is the place for that. <laughs> Trying um, to think
2: of the one that they my old church. Now, when I say this, everybody, I just want everybody to know my old church is great. I have no problems with them. Uh, they they weren't that terrible. like they, I don't know. American churches in general just don't get a lot right. It's not their fault. They're just, you know doing what they do but there was one they were specifically trying like some college. they're trying to talk me into going to for like to be a youth pastor and i was just like why do i have to go to college for that like can i just this book is it can i just read this (laughs) (laughs) Do i have to learn besides that book reports can i
3: do on this one yeah
2: (laughs) why would i go to college for four years for that like i just read it i mean to be fair it's a really big book Pretty big. There's a couple volumes. <laughs> books are bit, that are big. I, I mean, Harry Potter's bigger. <laughs> if you read all the <laughs> Harry Potter books, that's technically more. And I've done that. So like,
3: um, <laughs> yeah. So Joel goes for broadcasting, not theology. Drops Fair out time. after a year. Returns home and helps his dad uh, set up a televangel. <laughs> uh, and get, gets him gets him his own TV show. Produces the TV show. And this actually was like olstein at his happiest he loved being a producer you know like he was a total perfectionist down to like he would actually pick the clothes that his dad would wear on the tv show and just make sure that everything is perfect <laughs> for this message and you know broadcast throughout the country obviously they were buying station time because that's what all these religious programs have to do um but he was and that's he was,
2: and that's why they need money austin uh, to keep the ministry going oh, 100% that's
3: yeah, it. yeah yeah I, and actually i gotta say for his dad And that the time that his dad was around, he doesn't seem like the biggest creep or crook that was out there. You know, like I can't find a lot of bad things on him. People genuinely were, you know, respected him. Um, And it really wasn't until Osteen took over that it was, or his son took over that everything kind of hit the hit the window. Um, So in 1999, his dad gets real sick and. To everyone's surprise, uh, Joel decides that I'm going to go ahead and, and preach the sermon. You know, I've never done it before. I've actually watched the video online. It's not great. Like he's definitely never done it before, um, but he ends up going up on on the pulpit and he he preaches for about 35 minutes, which I think surprised everybody. And two weeks later, his dad dies and he takes over, which was kind of surprising to everybody because they were like, "You were always on the production side, and now you're right out in the middle." Um, I'm shocked that
2: it was that easy for him, especially with like what you said, like 5,000 people at that church at that time. There's normally with churches like even smaller than that, there's a board of directors and like elders and everything. And it should be a process and they should bring people in and Mm -hmm. like try people out. And that's normally how that happens. So for him to have never done it
3: and them just be like, yeah, you like
2: you're it, you're it. 5,000 charge of 5,000 people
3: do it now. Like that's, well, I will say there's a reason behind that, because Lakewood Church's board of directors was all of the Osteen claims. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> and it is to
3: this day, they run the board of directors. So it is a it, it is a unique situation. Joel even doubled out, and he's like, as long as uh, Lake L- Lakewood Church is around, the Osteens will be you know the, in the leadership. So they don't let anybody in. It's it's just them running this so whole it's thing. It's like a monarchy. Kind no. of. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep, that's what that's what it is. Um, so now he is the the, the preacher at this at, at Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. Um and he's kind of at this point he's still a really traditional evangelical preacher. He's you know, talks about angels and demons and sin and you know, all of the real the tenets of, of Christianity. Um he even right after the uh Columbine Massacre in nineteen ninety nine he even goes on, he starts blaming the devil for the shooting and says that um, that is the devil and the demon forces at work, he said. We must realize who our enemy is. But after a while, he kind of drop a lot of that. And he sort of develops his own style, which is what a lot of Christian scholars have an issue with. Because he, he sort of does, you know, he drops anything that's dark or or you know negative in favor of like really positive readings of the bible you know and and this is like his new style he's like we're not going to talk about sin we're not going to talk about hell we're not going to talk about confession and atoning for for any sins we're just going to talk about the nice stuff and that Jesus and it's is all like, about them vibes man yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> um and he, he, what he does is he really doesn't rely very much on the the actual gospel or reading from the gospel. He starts coming up with all these like anecdotal stories to illustrate his messages, and it, it's it's that's like his style like that's that's what he's decided to do he's like i'm not i'm only going to pick the stuff i like out of christianity and i'm going to preach on that and then i'm going to double down and make up stories about people that i know and and (laughs) that's this is what we're going to do and we're going to be happy and everybody's going to be great um and it really starts to resemble more of like a motivational speaker than a preacher and i think those teeth
2: are motivational speaker (laughs) teeth man they really are go to
3: the dentist and get those big white pearlies
0: (laughs) So in the beginning around the columbine time it's like here the way you described it reminds me of like an alex jones type uh oh fuck. like our enemy is the literal christian devil and he's the reason that all these things are happening
3: yeah that's the beginning you
0: know? okay but that then like stick- he re- quickly realized okay this is gonna attract some weirdos let me switch it up and yeah. ditch that and just do all the positive well i shit. also
3: think part of it and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more later but i think part of it too was like he wanted to attract the broadest um possible audience for his message and he's like people that aren't traditional christians are going to get scared off by some of this stuff i got to make it lighter you know like christianity light <laughs> in order to get as many people to give me money as i possibly can and it works <laughs> it i mean because he's, he's got an incredible following um, so i i want to stress to you both one thing that he really does well that his father would have never never did was he understands marketing and he like he he's a student of it one of the first people he hired is a branding specialist named Duncan Dobbs and Dobbs came in and he was like essential in like crafting what Joel Osteen was you know like he was like this is how you have to look this is what you need to talk about this is what the church looks like this is like our messaging and our branding and it's it's okay to market and advertise this church you know as as a place for everybody
0: that it's amazing that this, this is like you know, public knowledge because you would think that people would like look this guy up and like okay apparently jesus really
3: loves marketing yeah. and branding <laughs> no one's psychotic like me and does a deep dive like only the people <laughs> like true believers aren't gonna really they're like we're happy with how we feel when we walk away from him so that's what we're gonna keep
0: no but i mean like with anything like you watch for example the last week i went and watched all of the jurassic park series right jurassic park one two three then the reboot and while I was watching it, I would go on Wikipedia and just go down this fucking rabbit hole, right? Like an insane person. And now I know everything that there is to know about Jurassic Park. And I do that with everything. And I like I can't imagine that somebody that follows Joel Osteen wouldn't follow him and then just like do a quick little Google and realize that like okay, he's hiring
2: his marketing team to come in and like f- like make his image look perfect. Yeah. but they would rationalize it like <laughs> they, they were do. He did that to reach a broader audience to yep. get the message of. Jesus yep. out there to a broader audience. So it's, so it's yeah. all right. It's,
3: yeah. It's he's like it. using modern tools and technology to reach the broadest possible market, you know, the broadest possible audience. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's how they, you read that and you're like, Oh, that's really smart. I wonder why more people haven't done that. <laughs> and You're going, <laughs> you're missing the point. It's not at all what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so I want to read you this little bit from a piece in the Houston Chronicle by Catherine Blunt. And I cannot recommend this enough. She did a three Part um, write up of of Osteen and his history, and it's really, really insightful and very well written. Um, So, Dodds, which is the marketing guy that he hired, saw no ceiling in Osteen's popularity. With the right marketing support, he thought Osteen could match the name recognition achieved by no less a figure than Billy Graham, the 20th century's preeminent evangelist. I know. That face. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <It is. laughs> he developed a strategy designed to deliver on that ambition it had four elements jerusalem which was an effort uh, to become the dominant congregation in houston judea a regional strategy to draw visitors from dallas austin and san antonio uh, samaria a national outreach through television radio and traveling shows and uttermost a worldwide effort to attract followers through television crusades and missions dodd's emphasized that all of the church's brand touch points and quotes from sermons to letterheads had to work in unison to reinforce Lakewood as the ultimate religious brand and Osteen as its embodiment. He said, he goes on to say, no detail was too small. When Osteen preached in Houston, the pulpit was adorned with the, the letter L for Lakewood on the road. It was an O for Joel Osteen ministries, a better known name outside of the city. So this is the evil genius that really, I think helped. To promote him on a national level, man, I love how his ideas like, you know, what we should do idolatry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Joel's just like, yeah, why not, man? Let's do it. It's gonna be great. Do you
3: know who they borrowed this from? Whose te- whose playbook they borrowed this from?
4: Hitler. <laughs> no, oh but really close.
3: <laughs> Walt Disney. Oh. <laughs> I mean, they were both anti-Semitic as fuck. So I Holy feel like shit. you can, in that way, two iconic mustaches is, <laughs> is what
2: I was also thinking. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Walt Disney's anti-Semitic? Yes. Oh fuck, man, that's horrible. Sorry. Racist
0: too. Piece of shit. Yeah,
3: real, real bastard. <laughs> oh man, I hate them Jews. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of Mickey Mouse was was pro Nazi Germany. Germany. Oh god.
0: So Probably. around this time. uh how big is Joel Osteen's congregation? So we're still
3: like we're still in the in sort of the beginning, like when he's got his five his father's five thousand member ministry. Um, okay, but I was but the Walt Disney thing. Uh, Walt actually in his Parks put together what is called Mickey's Ten Commandments because let's not listen to the Bible's Ten Commandments. Let's Listen to a talking mouse's Ten Commandments, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and some of these commandments. I mean, it was basically like the. Um, Imagineers who designed the park had these rules on on how to keep audiences engaged with your product. And so they were like, it works for Disney, let's make it work for our church. Number one, don't fucking talk in the suits. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the mouth doesn't fucking move.
3: <laughs> it looks cheap. P- pee before you get out in the field. <laughs> There's no bathroom breaks for mice.
2: Hey, wait, are Walt Disney employees like ho- horribly mistreated? They,
3: um, first of all, are called cast members. <laughs>
2: oh, fuck. Come on.
3: <laughs> this oh. is true. Yeah, dude. Fuck you. Yeah. And they're underpaid because there's enough people that are so obsessed with Disney culture that they'll go down. It's like an honor for them to work at Disneyland or Disney world. And so they work on like close to slave labor. Yeah. It's but, like how uh,
2: Zack Ryder worked for WWE for nothing for years.
3: Cause he loved <laughs> being there.
2: <laughs> woo. woo, woo. Um, but, uh,
0: so um, one thing before we move on from Disney, uh, like they're in these suits and like the hot ass sun, right? They're not getting
3: paid minimum no, wage. are Not they? much more if it is. Fuck, man. I think okay. I actually think that they they jumped right before COVID. They they said that everybody was making uh, they promoted everybody to fifteen dollars an hour because. Not because they were feeling generous, but because the state of California was about to raise their minimum wage to $15 an hour. (laughs) And so they thought that it'd be a really good PR move to get ahead of that and just say, oh, look, we voluntarily paid our $15 an hour. Oh, what do you you mean? The minimum wage just rose to $15 an hour? Well, we were already there. We're the good guys, right? House and mouse, Uh baby. (laughs) Speaking of
2: Disney, my Instagram's getting uh, just fucking blown up because... It's some lady, there's a little video just randomly came up of some lady eating like some Disney ice cream pop. That's like Halloween themed at Disneyland. And she's talking about how nummy it is. And I just said, you Disney adults are fucking weird. (laughs) And now people are trying to tell me how they're not fucking weird, dude. Disney adults are weird as shit. Like you can go and enjoy yourself, but making that a whole facet of your personality to the point where you're calling, you're a 35 year old woman calling an ice cream bar nummy.
3: Like, <laughs> I, I I agree with you on that, Ed. I don't think. Yeah, I think that's a really odd. That's. I mean, that, honestly, that's like its own sort of version of church.
2: Yeah, man. Listen, I love uh, I love a good Cedar Point. I love amusement parks, roller coasters, and all that. But like, I don't know. N- no one's gonna. I'm not gonna get childlike enough to call an ice cream bar nummy. I know that. So maybe like the Mickey's <laughs> Ten
3: Commandments is like a litmus test on how big of a Disney freak you actually are. Yeah. Like,
2: if you get all 10, they put
3: yeah, you down. You, <laughs> shit, if you give me 7 out of 10, I'm going to give you credit. Like it's, <laughs> That's a C anywhere in the world except for Mickey's Ten Commandments, and I'm going to give you a fucking A. Um, so this new approach, along with these commandments and all this marketing shine up, um, are, are what sort of starts him building some steam, but it wasn't until... 2004, when he publishes his first book, which is the one we're going to talk about, called Your Best Life Now, Seven Steps for Living at Your (laughs) Full Potential.
2: (laughs) I know this book. Do you? (laughs) You said you didn't. <laughs> I didn't know that was his first one. I thought he yeah. must have had a book before. No, no this is I it. I didn't know he came right out of the
3: case this with is it. This is it. Um, it went on to become a New York Times bestseller. This book sold 8 million copies.
2: Jesus Christ. Yep. So when – I can explain that, too. When a book catches on in Christianity, it fucking catches on, and then it's like all of a sudden all these churches are like doing this for like a book study and a Bible study, and it just – And it just keeps rolling. So like if you can get a hit book in Christianity that you can ride that for like years to come because all these small groups are going to start doing it and they're going to buy this book consistently for
3: like Two, three yeah, years longer than that. I mean, like, people are still buying this stupid book. It's like when an artist gets a big Christmas song, like Mariah Carey. Yeah, you know, yeah. and she just like she's set for life because they're gonna pay, play it at every Christmas. That's all you need. You just need that one hit. It's it okay though. I'm sure
2: year. he he donated all the giant money that he made Ed, from this whatever book. You right need
3: to think to make you feel better. You just go ahead. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um. So let's let's dive in. Right. We're gonna go through this book and we're gonna go. Step by step, we're going to do all seven steps, uh, and and just embrace your 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 the embrace everything that Mr. Joel Osteen has for us to live a better life. Um, So, step one is called enlarging your vision. Um, This starts out with the kind of thing that is littered throughout this book, which is an anecdote that just he just throws it out there. So here it is. So we start. Uh, I heard a story about a man on vacation in Hawaii with his wife. He was a good man who had achieved a modest measure of success, but he was coasting along thinking that he had already t- reached the limits of his life. One day, a friend was driving the couple around the island, showing them the sights. They stopped to admire a gorgeous house set high on a hill. The property was replete with beautiful palm trees and lush green gardens in a picturesque, peaceful setting with a panoramic view overlooking the ocean. As the man gazed at the magnificent home, he commented to his wife and friend, I can't even imagine living in a place like this. Right there, something inside him said, don't worry, you won't. You will never live in a great place like this. <laughs> Startled by his own thoughts, he asked himself, what do you mean? And then again, as long as you can't imagine it, as long as you can't see it, then it is not going to happen for you. The man correctly realized that his own thoughts and attitudes were condemning him to mediocrity. He determined then and there to start believing better of himself and believing better of God. It's the same way with us. We have to conceive on the inside because before we're ever going to receive on the outside. If you don't think you can have something good, then you never will. The barrier is in your mind. It's not God's lack of resources or your luck or talent that prevents you from prospecting, or prospering. So your own wrong thinking can keep you from God's best.
2: There's no theology in any of that. No, not none. none. <laughs> That's just
3: not to say theology.
2: It's Ben field Not to say it's not made up bullshit. That is definitely just made up vision board bullshit. Yep.
3: That is like it, it is so. There's so much. It's not this. God holding you back. It's you.
2: No, isn't just... it God? Because you're <laughs> because you're doing <laughs> His will. So if you don't get a thing, it's because. God didn't want you to have that thing. It's not because you didn't vision, not like envision it hard so enough.
3: You didn't think positively. <laughs> you didn't think that big what the thought. Fuck? <laughs> oh man. yeah, Jesus, is all
0: about them vibes. You gotta have good vibes. You gotta envision it. You gotta manifest it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> how did that? I don't get how this book made it. So
3: like, how that first thing you read, you're not like the fuck is this and and that's (laughs) literally the opening of the book i was just like i mean this thing comes right out of the gate and just punches you in the face (laughs) with this stuff like
2: if i don't know man if if i was joel Osteen's my pastor and i went to him with a problem um, and he came in with that anecdote. My first words be like, What are you fucking talking I
3: know, about? That's what I was like. I was like, Am I crazy? Like, what is this? Like, it's, I mean, also, it, he does this thing that Alex Jones does where he makes up these fucking anecdotes where it's yeah. like, That didn't happen. You just yeah. made that up for your story. <laughs> and like, there are so many in this book. It's like, you just go from one to the next to the next to the next. And it's, and then like, by the time I got done with it, everything was contradicting each other. I was like, Yeah, but he said this in like chapter four. And then I'm like, I'm, I need to. Put this book down. I need to walk away. I need to never, never. I don't believe in burning books, but I got close on this one. I was just like, this is a cursed object.
2: I can't believe you read this. Yeah. I would have, t- that would have been it for me. Yeah. The first thing would have been like, well, this is nonsense. Words.
3: 328 like, pages.
2: What oh the God. fuck? God.
3: Hey, Austin, I appreciate
2: you, bud. You you make money off this? What are you doing? Stop, dude. I don't even put that kind of work into my show at all. i have been coasting on this thing for years.
3: Yeah, it's it's, Do you it's know what my
2: prep is Let's scroll to Twitter and then when I don't find anything just Discord. What happened, guys? <laughs> what the fuck happened one this these, week? One man? of these
3: days I'll get to that point. You know, you got to put the hustle in right now <laughs> before you can get it. Although I'm on a really really bad streak of like terrible books. The, the last <laughs> episode was a really terrible book too, so I'm going to have to detox from no more reading <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> we need to make money
0: off this shit. If you catch my griff <laughs> Patreon coming <on>
3: soon. <laughs> <laughs> So the whole the whole chapter is really just about the power of, of manifesting your dreams. It, it's if you can envision something, then it'll come true. It's the very woo-woo. It's like the secret um, principle, which has been around forever. It's like drink, think positive, positive things will happen. Um, I want to read. I'm surprised Ryback is a bigger follower of Joel Einstein. oh No, he's got brainworms too, so <laughs> <it> wouldn't, be, <laughs> wouldn't be surprised. Um, all right, here's another passage, and I'm, I'm, you know, I just tried to pick the ones that really jumped out at me when I was reading it. Um, in his late 40s, Brian felt as though everything in his world was falling apart and coming down on his shoulders. His business went bankrupt. He lost his family through divorce. His health was deteriorating. At one time, he had been an extremely successful man, but now, for many years, he had been merely existing, living with no joy, no peace, no zest. One day, a friend who cared enough to level with Brian told him, I love you, buddy, but you need to quit focusing on all the negative. Stop looking at everything you've lost and start looking at all you have left. Brian's friend challenged him, start believing that things are going to change for the better, not because you deserve it, but simply because God loves you that much. That's the
0: only theology that was in that, like at the very end. that was. That's not even was... right, though. But that's no. not
2: even right. <laughs> nope. Nope. God never promises you. God, Jesus, no one in that book is ever like, you're going to have a great life. In fact, most of the time, they're going to tell you how shitty your life's going to be because you're going to give away everything and have nothing. Like most <laughs> of that book is preparing you to be like, you're going to have to find joy in things that are not monetary things because you will have
3: nothing. And, yep. Like, well, so this this passage continues. So, the friend's word resonated with Brian's spirit, and slowly but surely, he began to take the advice to heart. He established fresh fresh patterns in his life. He decided that every morning before he got out of bed, he was going to write down 10 things for which he could be thankful. All day long, he constantly thought about that list. He continued this habit day after day, week after week, month after month. What was Brian doing? He was reprogramming his mind. He was breaking those old negative habits, and he was developing an attitude of faith. Within a matter of months, his situation began to turn around. First he got his joy back, then his health and vitality returned. He soon got his job back, and eventually many of his relationships were restored. Most important, he got his life back. Because he moved his expectations higher, he was able to escape that old negative mentality. He stopped focusing on what he didn't have or what he had lost on his past mistakes and failures. Instead, he started dwelling on the goodness of God. He filled his mind with thoughts of hope, faith, and victory. He developed a fresh vision, expecting things to change for the better. Sure enough, that's when his life turned around. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's not real it's not a real story it's not a real story does joel osteen ever even like does he have friends i don't have you ever so. been around another does he know how life i do like, think they, can they let him out of the church and we'll get to that part too <laughs> like i really just don't think
2: dude they probably do just keep him locked up they're like we have made this image for you and we can't let you
3: sabotage <laughs> yeah you. i always tell don i was like wait for it it's coming but yeah that part is going to come later so,
0: <laughs> this whole episode like up to this point has reminded me of like college white girl twitter where it's like you gotta have yeah. your positive affirmations so you gotta like every day you gotta wake up and tell you i am loved i am beautiful i am worth it <laughs> you
3: know I mean? this is this is very much in the same lane as like live laugh love you know <laughs> <laughs> this is so really that's that's this is the preacher of live laugh love <laughs> um so it's also really American. Like this is the most American thing with the palette of positive thinking. And it, it sprung up originally in the 1950s with a dude named Norman Vincent Peale, who published a book called the power of positive thinking. Um, he was a minister as well. So this is like got deep, deep roots in American Christianity quotes, I would say. Um, and it, it really, he, he, this guy really paved the way for someone like Joel Osteen. And there's been a lot more, um, in his book it's all anecdotes that that you know are masked as scientific breakthroughs psychological breakthroughs he's like oh this did this happen and this happened and this happened and then as a result it was like hey his life got better it's it's great you should do this too should be mentioned that all, most of the religious scholars of the time when peel was around were like this guy's full of shit and shouldn't be trusted <laughs> and, and not an actual christian and shouldn't be listened to however he went on to become the, the Trump's favorite pastor he <laughs> oh, so, out. <laughs> so this is the guy that was um, was was ministering the Trump family way before you know, like when Donald was a kid. Uh, this, this was their their pastor of choice. Um, but he's a really fascinating, really evil dude with like every his legacy that he left behind. And there's a really excellent podcast called uh, Christian Rightcast that did a, a series on Peel. Highly recommend it. I usually don't recommend a lot of podcasts on here, but it's it's very good. It's a new podcast. Podcast, and they do a really deep dive on Peel and kind of like the negative effect that his his positive messaging left in right wing Christian circles. So that's what we're dealing with. Ugh. Now is maybe my favorite story that I read in the entire thing because this is the most blatant Joel and Victoria Osteen story that I could find. I um, <laughs> just love this. buckle up. A couple wanted to enroll their son in a particular private school, but his birthday fell four days after the cutoff date, necessitating a year-long wait. They felt strongly that their child would do better by starting school with children his own age, so they called the school to see if they could make an exception. No way, the registrar told them. I'm sorry, that's against the rules and we never make exceptions. Your child will have to wait another year. The couple remained kind. They weren't rude. They didn't jump down the registrar's throat or try to manipulate matters. They knew... They had the favor of God. So they politely said, that's fine, but we would like to speak with your boss. I speak to your manager, please bring me your manager.
0: This isn't gonna work for me. I need to speak to your boss. Where is your manager?
3: So your (laughs) register referred them to the vice principal of the school. My friends called him and explained the situation. He offered the same answer. We'd love to help, but we just cannot bend the rules. You're gonna have to wait until next year. Fine, the father said, but we'd like to talk to your boss. Eventually, <laughs> they met with the principal of the school, but he responded similarly. Rules are rules, he said. I'm sorry. We can't change them. You're going to have to wait. They said, fine. But we'd like to meet with your boss. <laughs> the principal said... The,
0: the, the, the wife on the scum definitely had like a uh, bleach blonde bob cut, right? <laughs>
3: I think this is Victoria Osteen. I'm going to be honest. The, the principal said... I I report directly to the superintendent. I'll arrange a meeting for you. The couple met with the superintendent of the private school, and they explained the situation. The man offered no comment. He didn't say yes. He just didn't say no. He just listened. When they finished presenting their case, he said, I'm going to have to get back with you. The uh, The couple left the meeting, still declaring God's favor. They were expecting to get a good report, expecting things to turn around. About a month after the conversation, they received a call from the school registrar, the first woman with whom they had spoken. She sounded perplexed and said, In the 15 years I've been here, we have never done this before. We don't even know why we're doing it now, but we're going to make an exception and allow you and your child to attend school this term. Friend, that is the favor of God. The school administrators may not have known why they were doing it, but we do. It's because God's favor surrounds us like a shield. It doesn't matter what the what some circumstances look like in your life, regardless of how many people tell you that what you're attempting—oh, God! Regardless of how many people tell you that what you're attempting can't be done, if you'll persevere, declaring the favor of God and staying in an attitude of faith, God will open doors for you and change the circumstances on your behalf.
0: If you bitch and complain
3: loud enough, <laughs> things will happen. For it's you. crazy.
2: if you ask the better message be like oh we wanted to send our kid to this private school and it didn't work out and instead we sent him to a public school and look this is all the great things that happened because of that isn't that like the better
3: and the money and the money that we we donated the money that we were going to spend on private school to charity
2: yeah 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 like our kid got all this out of this public school and like all these amazing things happened and it was because we like trusted God's plan and did like he doesn't even know how to do the grift right <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah it's it's wild I'm like I'm reading this and I'm like am I really reading this correctly like this is so blatant and it's also so thinly veiled in, in terms of like you know his kids went to that private school yeah. and that Victoria threw a fucking fit in that registrar's office <laughs> <laughs> yeah <sighs> Yeah, it, it, he's so telling on himself. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the first that's the first step. Enlarging your vision. So we're going to move on now to the next step, which is called develop a healthy self-image. You
0: know, a- this makes a lot of sense why, like, right wing people are the way they are. You know, like, if you just bitch and complain loud enough, like, no, I'm not going to wear this mask. You know, you can't tell me what to do. I'm not going to put a muzzle on. Are you kidding me? Like, th- this makes so much sense. Yeah. Like if you just connect the
2: two, bro. I love the would Jesus wear a mask or not wear a mask debate because it's like, dude, Jesus was fucking magic and wouldn't have to wear because he's magic.
3: Like, yeah, stupid debate. Oh, all right, you ready for another example? Let's get to it. Let's. I picked this one out for you just because of the name, Ed. Okay. Um, by most standards, Carly should not have made it overweight with one leg slightly shorter than the other as a result of a child's accident.
2: (laughs) He's got a web show. She's got a a new best friend that's sassy and pansexual. He must be talking about Gibby.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So Carly was the lone woman employed at a largely male-dominated field. She had earned her right to be heard nearly every day. Some people laughed at her appearance and her halting walk. Some made snide remarks behind her back. Some were inconsiderate to her face, but Carly paid little attention. She knew who she was, and she knew that she was good at what she did. So when other people attempted to put her down, she regarded them as having the problem. Emotionally challenged, she often quipped about her detractors. Despite the factors working against her, Carly continued to receive one promotion after another, eventually becoming the CEO of her company and a highly sought after expert in her field. (laughs) How did she do it? Carly's secret is her incredibly positive self-image. A devout Christian, Carly believes that she's been made in the image of God and that he gives her life intrinsic value. She doesn't strive for the appeal of other people or depend on compliments from her superiors or peers to feel good about herself. Bright, friendly, articulate, and extremely competent at her work, Carly goes through life with a smile. While others shake their heads in amazement at her attitude, Carly is living her best life now! You don't think... (laughs) That if a
2: one legged hunchback woman became the CEO of a company, that this would be like a feel good news story somewhere, right? (laughs) <laughs> He's some like this marketing guy didn't read this book and I'm like, Joe, you gotta tone this shit down a little, man. You gotta-.
3: <laughs> or maybe he was like, How ridiculous can we make this book and still yeah. have people believe it? <laughs> like they kept uh, uh, you know, like upping the ante. <laughs> They're like, here, make her a hunchback, make her one yeah, leg short of like, the other.
2: What if she has one leg, right? And she's a lobster fisherman, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's all mad. It's all mad on this lobster boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Oh uh, uh, that's the you know what, that is my and you might correct me on this, but as far as I know, that's the shittiest thing about Joel Osteen is that, like, he doesn't have a coke addiction. He's right. not cheating on his wife. And yep. he's, there's, like, no things to point at him as, like, a shitty. No, he's bored. You know, working people, Yo, right? Because
0: he's locked in the house. Remember, he can't leave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, oh, wait, when did this book come out again? 2004. So, living your best life has been on things since 2004. Yep. Like the saying, living your best life. Yep. Dude, he
2: didn't come up with that. No, come on. no, no. I mean this is like a
3: long you could you can trace kind of the long trail of this this kind of bullshit, but it's been around. He just made a lot of money off of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is this is actually <laughs> the most, this this one really threw me when I read it. I was like, what am I even reading now? Um, and it's this is unlike any other anecdote he put in this book. Now, he's talking about positive thinking, so then he has to tell a story about negative thinking and what that gets you, right? Because you have to think positive yeah, yeah, yeah. or you're going to be punished. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have good vibes, you go to hell. <laughs> Just you wait. Nick was a big, strong, tough man who worked the railroad yards for many years. <laughs>
0: Ha, ha, ha. He's a big, strong boy. (laughs) Yeah, Nick
3: is a big, strong boy. (laughs) He's a big, strong rail worker. He was one of his company's best employees, always there on time, a reliable, hard worker who got along well with other employees. But Nick had one other major problem. His attitude was chronically negative. He was known around the railroad yards as the most pessimistic man on the job. Okay, I'm just going to say this right now. I don't think a bunch of rail workers are going around polling each other on who the biggest pessimist (laughs) on their team is. (laughs) no man from like they'd probably just be like nick's a dick dude. yeah he's a jerk man i don't <laughs> want to work with him um he so he perpetually fear feared the worse and constantly worried fretting that something bad might happen one summer day the crews were told that they could go home an hour early in order to celebrate the birthday of one of the foremen all the workers left, but somehow Nick accidentally locked himself in a refrigerated boxcar that had been brought into the yard for maintenance. The boxcar was empty and not connected to any of the other trains. When Nick realized that he was locked inside the refrigerated boxcar, he panicked. Nick began beating on the door so hard that his arms and fists became bloody. He screamed and screamed, but his coworkers had already gone home and to get ready for the party. Nobody could hear nick's desperate calls for help again and again he called until finally his voice was a raspy whisper aware that he was in a refrigerator box nick guessed that he, the temperature in the unit was well below freezing maybe as low as five or ten degrees fahrenheit nick feared the worst he thought what am i going to do if i don't get out of here i'm gonna to freeze to death there's no way i can stay here all night the more he thought about his circumstances the colder he became When the door shut tightly, with the door shut tightly and no apparent way of escape, he sat down to await his inevitable death by freezing or suffocation, whichever came first. To pass the time, he decided to chronicle his demise. He found a pen in his shirt pocket and noticed an old piece of cardboard in the corner of the car shivering almost uncontrollably he scribbled a message to his family in it nick he noticed noted his dire prospects quote getting so cold body numb if i get out soon this will probably be my last words or if i don't get out soon these will probably be my last words and they were (laughs) the next morning when the crews came to work they opened the boxcar and nick's body crumpled over in the corner when the autopsy was completed, it revealed that Nick had indeed frozen to death. Now here's the fascinating enigma. The investigators discovered that the refrigeration unit for the car in which Nick had been trapped was not even on. In fact, it had been <laughs> out of order. It had been out of order for some time and was not functioning at the time of the man's death. The temperature in that car that night, the one that Nick froze to death in, was sixty one degrees. Nick froze to death. In slightly less than normal room temperature because he believed that he was freezing in the boxcar. He expected to die. He was convinced that he didn't have a chance. He expected the worst. He saw himself as doomed with no way out. He lost the battle to his own mind. So if you don't think positively, God will fucking kill you?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No one's ever called him out on this? No. No. one's What? Now, if I ever meet this man, this is literally the first thing I will think of is like that boxcar story. Really, Joel? Really? Like,
3: (laughs) I will make him admit that it's not true. But this is the kind of shit that people are lapping up. Again, eight million copies of this book.
2: (sighs) But that's like, but they I'm going to guess that like the people that read this know that's not true. And it's just like. No, so like, they, oh, they gotta, I get what you're trying to say, right? It's got to be that, right? There's no one that reads this and is like, oh, my God, he froze to death because his brain thought he was freezing. I, I mean,
3: I would like to think that, but I, I don't. I think the people <laughs> really think this yeah. shit happens. I really yeah. do. I, I got to say, this, and, and, and just the amount of money that people give to this idiot, I'm just like, aye, aye, aye. Like, we're, we're just critical thinking.
2: Now I'm really sad that in my old church, we weren't we never did Joel Osteen books in small group. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember my pastor one time somebody's like I oh, need a book to do I'm like what about Joel Osteen he's like well he's like I got toilet paper over there why don't we read the back of that it's just as helpful like what are we doing like he's like why don't we ever read a Joel Osteen book yeah my, my old pastor is one of those pastors just like this guy's full of shit <laughs> dude
0: my, my old pastor which was like the speaking in tongues and like Ooh. like yeah that kind of Christianity they thought Joel Osteen was full of shit
2: so <laughs> that's the guy we're dealing with so, both of our church experiences, not they we're not positive of Joel Osteen. Who are these people <laughs> that are, like, reading this shit there's, then? But there's
3: a shitload of them. <laughs> because know, like- the first
2: one I get, 8 million, right? Like, you just hear of these books, and you're like, oh, well, I'll check it out, right? But, like, how do you read one, and then you're not like, oh, it's a fucking waste of time. And then a second one comes out, and you're like.
3: Well, that I might as well try give that one a shot. Like, how are more than one? And he has nineteen books, oh, ten of which God. were bestsellers. <laughs> <laughs> At least ten. The other ones might be as well. I, 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 I. Some of the information I had was out of date. So this is this is the point of the book where he starts to kind of sneak in the prosperity gospel, and he starts to talk about having a poverty mindset, and that, that being a bad thing because you know Jesus was rolling up in a Rolls Royce. Yeah. So <laughs> he got the best
0: horse on a lot. thoroughbred baby.
3: <laughs> so he he actually starts it's weird cuz he he speaks so fondly of his dad who he calls daddy, which I also think is a little strange, but <laughs> um in all the stories he's like me and daddy went to the third world country. Wait, wait, hold, hold on. What's wrong with I saying daddy? It's, I don't know. I guess it's weird, maybe I it's, mean, I'm gay fuck, and it's I mean I don't I don't That's oh. what uh, my
2: much younger brother-in-law used to call my brother when they were married. <laughs> oh god that's a thing right austin
4: yeah it's
0: a thing well i mean i don't fuck with my dad or l- literally or figuratively but I, I mean i call him daddy like yeah my daddy left when I was, <laughs> my, my daddy left when i was five you're, you're
2: two <laughs> relatively normal people uh you let me know how weird this is because jess thinks this is one of the weirdest things about me when i talk about my parents i don't say mom and dad i use their names Because they're not your mom and dad. So why would I call them that? I will say their government names when talking about them. But I never like addressing them. I would never be like, yo, what? I'm always like, hey, dad. But if I'm talking about him, why would I call him dad? He's not your dad.
3: Austin knows that with Miss Karen. no I I met that I knew that kid when I was growing up there was like one kid that I was friends with who called his parents by their first names I don't know that's
2: my whole point is I don't you just describe them yes if I'm talking about them I'll say their names but if I'm yeah, talking to you, them I would never call my parents by their names that's rude as shit like
3: <laughs> I mean I guess if you're telling the story and you say mom or dad it does, they know who you're talking well, just, about yeah but just like you say my mom or my dad I'm like yeah but or <laughs> you <really laughs> know, I just use their
2: names <laughs>
3: (laughs) Oh well, I don't do that, but I also don't. I've I've seen some weird shit. I don't think that's the weirdest thing in the
2: world. It drove my uncle nuts one Christmas. (laughs) Like he was pissed when I said like (laughs) set that over by. uh, I was like set that over at Bill, and he's like who? I was like Bill. He's like that's your dad. Show some respect. And then two minutes later, (laughs) to my aunt goes, Hey Red. I was like Rick. Thanks Heather. (laughs) Show some respect, dude. (laughs) I do that when I'm pissed.
3: Like, Hey man give this to sherry okay <laughs> yeah when i'm mad at my mom that'll i'll be like karen come on karen come on let's not do this um so he he starts telling a story about his dad now, apparently his daddy had a had had a um a poverty mindset and i think actually well you will know
2: well, he did he was a pastor <laughs> right <laughs> What do you mean? He didn't worry about money? And he like. (laughs) So
3: so the story is basically that like Joel's dad um, like took in a family and and had them stay with his family at their house. And took care of them and fed them and did things that you're supposed to do as a pastor of a church. And one of the members of the congregation saw this and said, said, you know, I've seen what you've been doing. It's very generous. It's very selfless. And I want to, I want to help you out. Here's a check for a thousand dollars for you so you can like pay for this food and everything like that. And his dad felt really guilty about having the money and said, no, you know, I'm going to give this to the church. I don't need this money. I give it to the church. And for Joel, That was the wrong move What? (laughs) and I'll read you what he said he said God was trying to increase my dad he was trying to prosper him but because of daddy's deeply embedded poverty mentality he couldn't receive it what was daddy doing he was eating more cheese and crackers God was trying to get him to step up to the banquet table but because of daddy's limited mindset he couldn't see himself having an extra thousand dollars I'm so glad that daddy later learned that as God's children, we were able to live an abundant life, that it is okay to prosper, that we should even expect to be blessed. Indeed, it is as important to learn how to receive a blessing as it is to be willing to give one. He's not, he's
2: not wrong. His dad should have taken the money, right? But given it to those people to start their life right right i think that's the move so joel's not wrong but he is he's so wrong he's (laughs) so fucking wrong (laughs) (laughs) like yeah i guess like as a pastor you do have to be able to take money from people but like you don't you're not taking it so i don't see what the issue like it's not your money right well he gave it to the church that was was supposed to
3: be for him personally but instead he turned it over to the church But that's the Which move. That's what, you're like, supposed to, that's what you're supposed to do. But yeah. Joel says that's not the move. That's not what he should have put that in his pocket. And no one's asked Joel
2: Osteen where, like, where in the Bible do you see that it says, like, it's God wants you to be rich? Because, like, it kind of says the opposite lots and lots of times. Oh, yeah. Like, isn't, yeah, there's some quote oh. about how, like, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to get in heaven. And he's telling all these people, like, make as much money as you can. And
3: they're like, yeah, okay, one (laughs) hundred percent. It's fucking wicked. It is so gross and obvious, but he hides it. Like, I mean, he, I see it because I'm like, oh, that's really shitty. But it's also like sandwiched between so many other like feel good anecdotes that you're almost like you almost miss it if you're not looking for it. And he does this. I mean, throughout the book, like he just kind of weaves. See, the, the interesting in thing between,
0: between Joel Osteen um, and the other grifters we've covered is normally, whenever you're doing a sort of grift, you'll be like, "Yes, absolutely, give it to the church," right? Because in the case of A. a. Allen and Peter Popoff and Leroy Jenkins, the church is them. Like that's their pockets. Is, and is, Joel them, is yeah. just like, no, nah, man, fuck the church. Keep the money fucking, you
2: know, <laughs> Joel's Joel seems to be smart enough to know that that like by 2004, people are onto that grift, right? You can't pull it off as widely as you could back in the 80s. So his grift is selling books like and that's how he's going to make his money through you. You're not going to give it to him, but you are going to give it to him. But like by buying this book, he's not selling you like little bottles of holy water or like little prayer cloths.
3: He's selling you a book. Like his grift is these like are these books, right? Yep. yep. Oh yeah. And you're you're getting a little ahead of, of the, the story, but yeah, you're hundred percent right. Like he's 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 polished. He he's figured out what was going on. So now we're gonna move on to the next step. Um this one is called Let Go of the Past. Um and I actually think <laughs> <laughs> this one I found, and maybe it's just me you guys you guys will tell me once I read a little passage this one was a really troubling chapter um it, more than the rest of them It's premise is that like regardless of what negative things have you experienced in the past, you need to move past them to flourish It's like just fucking get over it um and while I think that there's some truth in like the ability to heal and and move past traumas in your life is is genuine this is really kind of like just suck it up and move on and I think that that's a really suck incredible. it up you pussy <laughs> yeah exactly. I think that's so fucking toxic especially the way that Mr. Osteen puts things Um, he says, no, the truth is if we are bitter and resentful, it's because we are allowing ourselves to remain that way. We've all had negative things happen to us. If you look hard enough, you can easily find reasons to have a chip on your shoulder. Anyone can make excuses and blame the past for his or her bad attitudes, poor choices and hot temper. You may have valid reasons for feeling the way you do. You may have gone through things that nobody deserves to experience in life. Perhaps you were physically, verbally, sexually, or emotionally abused. Maybe you've struggled to deal with a chronic illness or some other irreparable physical problem. Maybe someone took advantage of you in business and you lost your shirt, as well as your self-esteem. I don't mean to minimize those sad experiences, but if you want to live in victory, you cannot use past emotional wounds as an excuse for making poor choices today. You dare not use your past as an excuse for your current bad attitude or as a rationalization for your unwillingness to forgive someone. The fourth step towards living your best life now is to let go of the past. It's time to allow emotional wounds to heal, to let go of your excuses and stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's time to rid... Of to get rid of your victim mentality. Nobody, not even God, ever promised that life would be fair. Quit comparing your life to but. someone else's. <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: Wait, wait, wait! But
3: you just did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you said quit comparing your life to someone else's and quit dwelling on what could have been, should have been, or might have been. Quit asking questions like "Why this?" or "Why that?" or "Why me?" <laughs> <laughs> Basically, <laughs> he just but like he he also says it like right here he goes um, I'm not what does he say Oh yeah I don't mean to minimize those sad experiences and then he immediately minimizes yeah. all of those sad experiences I was like you're a fucking shithead I and mean, I just went time. out during that break and
2: fixed a fish tank. Can I tell you the problem with Akuna Matata? Yes. <laughs> little sidebar. My problem Please. with this. So Lion King, one of my favorite movies ever. Love that movie. Fucking watched it all the time when I was a kid. I still think it's great. I thought the remake was really good. I think Billy Eichner is a better Timon than uh Nathan Lane. And I will at me because I'm right. Um so Akuna Matata is the thing that everybody remembers from that, right? Because it's a fun little song and it's all over Disney shirts and everything, right? You learn Hakuna Matata from the two lazy pricks who eat eat bugs. They're stupid. It's the That's the bad <laughs> advice. And Rafiki comes and tells him, like, no, that's fucking dumb, dude. Like, you got to go do something about it. You can't just forget it, whatever. But people never remember that part of it. They're just like, akuna Latata. And it's like, no, that's the fucking bad advice, you idiots. Like, <laughs> it's a catchy song, but, like, that's the bad. Like, that's the whole point of the movie is that that is bad advice. And no one catches on to that. It's real weird.
3: Ed, everybody has a smelly friend that gives them bad advice. Just, that's just, <laughs> that's the real lesson you learn. You know, it's like Timon smells terrible and gives bad advice, but he's like, hey man, chosen family, friends are friends. It's a whole lot better than my weird gay uncle, Scar. Scar
2: is like a, <laughs> Scar, that's what I said too. Scar clearly gay and that's why he's like sent out of the family and uh-huh. also the good guy in the movie. He's the well, hero. I Mufasa saying- is an evil racist wizard.
3: Yeah. And I would say that all of the best Disney villains Dalton. are gay. Dalton. Yes, see you I, try I, to think. And I, I do. Can... <laughs> yeah,
0: trying. <laughs> I, yeah, I do believe Scar is the good guy, but I never yeah. put together the gay
3: connection. It makes so yeah, much sense. Listen, you, my favorite Disney villain, Scar is up there, but my absolute favorite is Ursula from Little Mermaid. And <gasps> oh, my it, God. I just put something together. <laughs> it sh- she is actually explicitly based on the drag queen Divine. Yeah. They they used her as a character study for Ursula and it just makes her that much better of a character.
2: And she's an actual villain because what she wants to do is evil and there's no merit to it. Scar wants to be the king to end segregation. he did a political assassination to end segregation. And then what, what happens for it? Like a drought happens and everyone blames him for it. Like he controls the fucking weather, Austin, and he doesn't control the fucking weather. You know who controls the fucking weather? Mufasa. I know that because he came back because he's a fucking evil, racist wizard in the form of clouds to talk to his bastard kid, to be like, no, go make things right. And what happens? The second scar dies, this torrential downpour. So Mufasa willingly starved and like, his entire <laughs> family because Pride. he was like, eh, That's not my kid, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> All <laughs> right, Mufasa, I like it. I'm there, Mufasa I'm there sucks. with you. Who this suck. I never Scar really... is awesome though. Scar is probably my favorite Disney character ever. I love Scar. <laughs> he's got like little comebacks to everything. Like no one's outwitting him. He's great. And he's Jeremy Irons voice. Come on. I thought forever that it was uh, when I was a little kid. I was like, that's, it's the guy from Home Alone too. And it is not. <laughs> I thought it was Tim Curry forever. <laughs> Tim Curry. Speaking of uh, Billy Eichner, have you ever seen uh, Billy on the Street? Sure is fucking
0: hilarious. (laughs) I love (laughs) Billy.
2: (laughs) Uh, My favorite Billy on the street bit is Seth Rogen holding the camera while they tell people that Seth Rogen died. (laughs) <laughs> to get their reaction And then in the middle of it He pulls on the camera and says like I'm just joking Seth Rogen's alive And he's right here <laughs> The best is the guy that doesn't know who Seth Rogen is And he tells him that when he's like you hear Seth Rogen Passed away he's like I don't know who that is But he keeps going with the bit And he's like do you want really to say anything about Seth Rogen dying? He's like I mean it sounds like a loss And that sucks you know whatever he's like I'm just joking Seth Rogen's right here and he goes oh you're Seth Okay Well, he's like he's not dead he's like oh that's good Right, yeah, man. I'm happy or not dead, like.
3: Well, you, you know, the thing about Seth Rogan is that he never let past trauma uh, get in his <laughs> way from achieving superstardom
0: because he got so fucking high he forgot Fuck it. All. Yes, Austin, bring it back around. I love
4: that <laughs> shit. Let's go. Um.
3: Uh, <laughs> so yeah, really fucking toxic message, I think. Which is like, just suck it up. Doesn't matter what happened to you. Um, just let it go because you're never going to achieve if you don't move on with your life. And I hate that fucking mentality. I can't tell you how many
2: times I went to my pastor with problems and he was like, stop being a puss.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's a hundred percent what it is. It's like, quit bitching. You hear about this lady? She's had a one leg and a hunchback, and
2: she's CEO now. What are you?
3: You got, you hey, got see both her legs. She's Carly, the CEO. Come on, man. She's C-suite Carly. <laughs> <laughs> she never complains. Um, so it's a lot of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna skip this next story because it's just stupid. You think Joel's <laughs>
2: gonna remember all these when he ha- when like he inevitably gets dementia? They're gonna be like Carly CEO and we'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he'll <laughs> tell him that
3: story and he'll be like, sounds stupid. <laughs> Remember Brian who like wrote down ten things that was great about his life and he like achieved great success. Tell Joel Osteen that story and dementia and Joel Osteen's like, that never happened. Well the the funny thing is too, and I did I I tried I like I this, this script was crazy long and I had to go and edit it today because I was like, we're gonna be on this call for four hours if we don't <laughs> do that. And but you could tell the stories that are real from the stories that aren't. They're very easy. Like he gives last names when they're real and I would go back and look (laughs) up who he's talking about. He (laughs) sucks so bad. Apparently there's a um, a very Christian uh, woman who won Miss America, I think, like in 1997, and he quotes her directly. And she's like, uh, she, her bio is like bananas, where she was like, in college, I made it, or in high school, I made a deal with God, and I was never going to, you know, sleep with anybody I was going to wait for marriage. And, you know, she like now goes around, uh, around the country on an abstinence uh, teaching course. I don't know. She married like a Republican congressman and had a bunch of kids, but he's like, she's the, I was like, of course, this is the, the person that he actually mentions by name because he probably goes to his fucking church. Like,
4: like it's, <laughs> it's really
3: obvious who is like a real person in his life and who is just a made up story, which I'm just like, this is so stupid. <laughs> like, why are we reading this? Um, so a part of this thing too, we get into, um, apparently they're also faith healers, or at least his dad was. Yeah what? Yeah. Apparently that's that's part of this whole this is like the greatest hits. It of like always grif- comes back to Faith dealers, right? It's yeah, it's like the greatest hits of Grifter Christianity is right, is what we're dealing with in this fucking book. This one book like just takes it all.
0: There's that one Aerosmith CD that's on every Walmart.
3: Yeah, big ones. <laughs> big ones. Is this Christ-
2: Christian Grifter big ones. <laughs>
3: That's the name of the. That is the name of the podcast episode. <laughs> oh yeah, <that's> <laughs> <laughs> write it down so you don't forget it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I forgot your suggestions for uh, what's this fucking name? Uh, yeah, the Ballad of the Blimp
3: Boy. That was a great yeah, title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I, I've moved past it. I had my moment where I was like Dalton, and I shook my fist. I saw you
0: go in and edit the episode. You forgot to put part one in it, and yeah, then and I saw. I, so you put part two, part one. I was like, oh, Austin, awesome. always looking out for me.
3: And I put all the footnotes in it too because you've stopped asking me for those, so I'm just going to throw them in.
2: <laughs> well, you didn't
4: send it.
3: <laughs> um, so let's let's talk a little bit about like faith healing, right? Because he has a story about that. Because of course he has a fucking story about that. He's a story about everything. My daddy. <laughs> Here you go. You ready? Really 19- want, 19- I really want
0: I really want a faith healer just to come up and do mama say, mama sa mamusa mama say, and like <laughs> the person not know what that means. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's, 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 there's stories it's, of like people not going along with it and getting like their necks injured and stuff right like the dude just tries to shove them down by their head and shit like and i've follow. seen this
0: happen in person i've yeah. never seen a person not fall out like they like they always fall out and like oh i've always thought when i was little in church i'm like so what's gonna happen if i get up there and i don't do it because everyone i was like why didn't asshole. you do it yeah why I'm, didn't you do i don't want to get fucking hit
2: <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs>
0: That's embarrassing. My grandma's like, something's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a demon in that, boy.
3: <laughs> oh, I knew that was devil music. <laughs> God, Christian music is a whole other thing, too. Um, anyway, <laughs> <you'd>, uh, Under <laughs> Earth is a great band. <laughs> we're not going down that i'm i'm, I'm using my veto power to <laughs> kill that specific side road <laughs> conversation. uh and so in 1958 when my dad's future looked bright in the denomination which he was serving my sister lisa was born with a birth injury similar to cerebral palsy the doctors told my parents she would never be normal never walk and would probably need 24 hour care mother and daddy were devastated It was one of the darkest hours. Yeah, mother. Mother and daddy. Yep. So it was one of the darkest hours in our family's history. Mother and daddy could easily have become bitter. They could have easily said, God, this is not fair. Why did this happen to us? Here we are doing our best to serve you, and you allowed something like this to occur. But no, daddy knew that adversity could be a stepping stone to something greater. He knew that God would not allow a trial without having a purpose for that trial. Instead of being negative and running away from God, Daddy ran towards God. He began to search the scriptures as never before, and he discovered the God of the Bible in a fresh way as a loving God, a healing God, a restoring God, and yes, as a God of miracles. Daddy went back to his church and preached with new fire enthusiasm. Beyond that, he and Mother began believing that Lisa could be healed. Daddy studied the Bible and began preaching messages about hope, healing, and living in victory. He honestly thought that the congregation would be thrilled with the message that God wanted good things for his people. After all, who could argue with that? But as I mentioned earlier, some people became upset, at, at, and Daddy eventually resigned from the church. In that dark hour, Lakewood Church was born. God used the adversity to enlarge my dad's vision, ushering him into a whole new era of ministry. When the what the what the enemy meant for evil, God turned around and used to his advantage. And in the midst of the struggle, God healed Lisa's body. To this day, my sister is healthy and well but I don't believe any of that would have happened if my dad had not handled his adversities correctly. Many people immediately respond negatively to adversities and trouble rather than believing that God can bring the good out of the situation. Sorry. Uh, I'm not saying that God sends trouble, but I am saying that God will use any adversity face to to take you to a higher level if you'll just do your part and keep standing strong so
2: what does I, it even mean i'm so
3: confused by any like huh. so here's what it sounded like to me it, it, the the sister like is healed because yeah. he doubled down on his faith yeah it also sounds like he got chased out of town because he started he changed up his preaching style and started nobody at like the faith church stuff yeah and they were and like they were not like, into no, it. no and they're like you need to leave and so yeah. he left and started his own church <laughs> But I don't want to skip over faith healing because it's right there. Like, your kid is born with something like cerebral palsy, which I don't know what that would be. But cerebral palsy is <clears throat> fucking awful. A terrible, horrible disease that I wouldn't wish on even, you know, the worst person in the world. And But she's miraculously cured because he doubled down on his faith. I don't know. It's fucking weird. If I can give a relatable story real quick. When I
0: was about 14 or 15, I broke my arm, a complete, like, complete break, broken in half, nerve damage, muscle damage, all the works. And whenever I got out of surgery, the doctor told me straight up, he's like, you're not going to be able to extend your arm again. It's impossible. You're not going to be able to do it. And I went to physical therapy afterwards. And after about you know four or five months, after my bone was completely healed, I was able to extend my arm all the way. And my grandma, she t- brought that to church as like, uh, like a can, not a prayer request, but the opposite of a prayer request. Like, oh, my baby's able to extend his arm all the way. Look, like God's working miracles in his life. I'm like, no, grandma. What would you give that? Give that uh, praise to like the physical therapists, <laughs> right. like the, the people that did the work and worked with me, and the cere- cerebral palsy story. Wouldn't you give that like? You give that glory to
4: doctors. <laughs> I
0: mean, Normally, he yeah,
3: conveniently yeah. leaves the doctors out of the story. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there were more medical professionals dealing with this too. I don't know. It just it was it was kind of a wild one. I was like, why is it all over the place? And I'm now pretty sure that John Osteen got chased out of his church before and had to start his own because he was preaching shit that they didn't want to hear. Wow. Yeah. He went so, full
2: faith healer.
3: I, well so he, he's from his official biography he was a baptist minister to start okay. and then he went to he became like a non-denominational minister he gave up the baptist part of his ministry good, good for him and possibly from there went on to do a little bit of the prosperity gospel but i'm not totally clear on that there's not a lot about his dad baptist ain't that bad compared to like the
0: pentecostal church you know um, <laughs> like
2: I think denominations are bad. I'm on that side of yeah, it. Where, yeah. Like, I think breaking it up into subsections is the exact opposite of what was supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so like I grew up, my great grandpa is a Southern was well, he's dead. Now <laughs> he's a Southern Baptist preacher. And then my grandma's brother was, and his son is So, like on my dad's side of the family, they're all like Southern Baptist preachers. And, uh, yeah, they uh like they I've never known about shit like this. Like my dad was like, Oh, growing up, like women had to sit on one side of the church and men sat on the other. And what? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh they had to wear dresses down to a certain part of their leg. Um, he's like their hair had to be tied back. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Wow, that sounds that sounds like Pentecostal shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that sounds awful. It it those probably have more in common than they have in you know, indifference. Yeah, yeah really. I mean yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um so this 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 chapter is a is a lot um he you know he reminds the one one of the big takeaways is from this chapter is that he says we're all works in progress in god's eyes so it's okay if you mess up a little bit just make sure you get back on track and there is zero mention of sin or penance or confession there's no mention of like praying for forgiveness or anything else related to the christian faith just do your best and think positive and you'll be rewarded mm-hmm. but the- <laughs> But that's like a whole oh, part. Sell? That's a hu- Eight that's a hu- million copies. <laughs> yeah. And and it's like, that's such a huge part of Christianity that you've just like cut out and, and left on the road, you know, like discarded and just said, I'm not dealing with this shit anymore.
0: My whole thing is, Ed, uh, you can fill in the blanks and correct me like where I'm wrong. There's a story mm-hmm. in the Bible of Jesus, like going to temple, right? Yeah. And there's these vendors set up and they're yeah. selling the wares and selling the merch. And uh-huh. Jesus flipped his shit. He's yeah. like, man, fuck this. This ain't right. Fucking flipping tables over, all this shit. And then I, I would like to thank Joel Osteen's Jesus for go in and be like, fuck yeah. Okay. You're giving me a cut. You're giving me a cut. You're giving me a cut.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah <laughs> Good yeah. job,
3: guys. <laughs> you're really making prosperity for yourself. He chased him,
2: he chased him out with a lip. It was the money he had a whip too, right? Was, huh? It was yeah, the money, money changes. changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He flipped the tables and got a whip and started beating them with it. He told him basically get the hell out. Yeah. If so then only- Joel Ostring saw that and was like,
3: yeah, this guy will probably like that I am a millionaire. <laughs> 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 Times have changed. It's fine. Christians can handle money now. You yeah, know? It's, yeah, yeah, It's not just for Jewish people because that's how like oh, that Jesus. all that like yeah. Jewish banker anti Semitism started. Because you know Christians weren't allowed to handle money as, as like money changers because mm. of that. And so the, the Jewish people were like, "Well, we can do it. Christians can't, but we'll we'll fill that gap." And that's why there were so many people like Jewish people that got into banking and and you know that that that's how that all happened. That and, now, and
2: wasn't it also like they couldn't own like land so like they could, but they could own assets. Right. So
3: that's yeah. Right. Yep. So they that's how that's how it, it started. Like all the anti Semitic tropes that you see now with like the Rothschilds and all that stuff. That started back from biblical times, from biblical stories. It's have you gotten wild. your Rothschild Antifa check yet? <laughs> it's been two almost it. two years. Nice <laughs> I still know online. I think they might have my old address so I gotta go check that out. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so That's the fifth step. We're going to move on because there's so much. I mean, we can talk about this all day and I don't don't really want to bore people. But now we're getting to the main event. The sixth step is called live to give. And this here it is. Here it is. <laughs> here it is. This is it. At this point he has beat the reader's brains to fucking pudding with all this sickening <laughs> shit and now he's like now you're ready. Now I now you're primed. I can come after you and I can talk about prosperity gospel. And this is absolutely what it is. Um so here here comes Joel ready to go. And this is this is the opening passage from that chapter. One of the greatest challenges we face in our quest to enjoy our best lives now is the temptation to live selfishly. Because we believe that God wants the best for us, that he wants us to prosper, that we have the favor of God, and that he has much more in store, it's easy to slip into the subtle trap of selfishness. Not only will you avoid that pitfall, but you will have more joy than you dream possible when you live to give, which is the sixth step to living at your full potential. Why doesn't he follow that? Right, everything he said is about like it, it. He like he preaches this gospel that it's like you are the most important thing in the world. God's looking out for you specifically, but don't be selfish. But this is my very selfish like world view of what Christianity is and how God works. I, I was like, this is goes against everything that he's written so far. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like God is your personal servant who will do good things for you if you're a good person. But then he's like, don't be Man, selfish.
2: How can you be a millionaire and tell people to give their money? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Was he a millionaire by the time he wrote this book? This book, we'll, we'll talk a little about it, is like the thing that like launched him into superstardom. Okay, okay. This is the book that made the man for sure. But he wasn't struggling by any means, right? Oh no. No. He okay. inherited he inherited his daddy's church. He had it I mean he he he's never struggled a day in his life. This is a this is like a classic example that you see a lot where it's like the wealthiest people in the world or at least in the United States have it because they inherited some wealth. Like they never made their own money. They they took wealth that they inherited and they made it bigger sometimes, That's but they've what never actually got uh, the more. whole fucking pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Fucking yeah, it's bullshit. bullshit. It's because bullshit.
0: fucking stupid fucking rednecks. Like, Oh man, they made their money. They fucking worked hard for their money. No, they didn't. Their fucking parents gave it to them. They haven't worked for a thing in their fucking
2: life. Yep. Except Jay-Z. <laughs> Jay-Z. Except Jay-Z. Just <laughs> Jay-Z.
3: That That is true. <laughs> I, I live very close to where he grew up, and that is not a wealthy part of town. I can guarantee you that.
2: Austin, Jay Z, adjacent. He made so no, much just... money on 9 11. <laughs> dude, dude um... blueprint dropped. Everybody went out and got that.
3: Well, you know what they didn't see it was Glitter, the Mariah Carey movie. That was a box office bomb. Did that come it... out on 9 11? Yeah, it came out a week after 9 11. Mariah Carey, to this day, blames 9 11 for her movie not go- taking off. <laughs> that's I mean why not if you can right that uh, to me that makes her as big a domestic terrorist as like Timothy McVeigh (laughs) oh so yeah so this is just it's it's so like the book isn't even consistent like it's it, it it is so contradictory in itself that I'm just like this is crazy um so giving and and the chapter starts innocently enough. It doesn't talk about money right away, but it does eventually talk. Well, you about got to ease your way in, right? Yeah, it talks about like smile at a stranger. You know that'll make their day. You give them a smile, you brighten their day, right? Or give someone a hug. And he has this story. And I let me read you the story, and then we'll get into it. Um, I heard an amazing story about a set of twins who were just a few days old. One of them had been born with a serious heart condition and wasn't expected to live. A few days went by and one baby's health continued to deteriorate. She was close to death. A hospital nurse asked if she could go against hospital policy and put the babies in the same incubator together rather than in individual incubators. It was a big ordeal, but finally the doctor consented to allow the twins to be placed side by side in the same incubator just as they had been in their mother's womb. That's not practice. Somehow, the healthy baby managed to reach over and put his arm around his little sick sister. Before long, and for no apparent reason, her heart began to stabilize and heal. Her blood pressure came up to normal. Her temperature soon followed suit. Little by little, she got better, and today they are both perfectly healthy children. A newspaper caught wind of the story and photographed the twins while still in the incubator embraced in a hug. They ran the photo with the caption, quote, the rescuing hug. Never so it's mind. like, if you give a hug, you can save a life. Now, this is one of those stories that Joel was really specific about. So I dug into it. I was like, good. Give me a fucking clue. I'm going to yeah, eat yeah, this yeah. up. Let's go. And it's kind of true. Kind of. <laughs> he he definitely uh, editorializes a little bit. So um, this is actually, I found this on Snopes, of all places. So uh, Kyrie and Brielle Jackson were born on October 17, 1995 in Massachusetts Memorial Hospital in Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, each of the twins weighed all of two pounds at birth. Though Kyrie was putting on a big of, a bit of weight in the days following her arrival, Brielle was not doing as well. She cried a great deal, leaving her gasping and blue-faced. Brielle was having a particularly bad day in the newborn intensive care unit. Um, The nurse there, Gail Kasparian, tried everything to calm her. She held her. She had her dad hold her. She wrapped her in a blanket. She um, suctioned her nose. Nothing worked then she remembered hearing about a procedure done in europe she so she put brielle in the incubator with her sister almost immediately brielle snuggled up to Kyrie. her blood oxygen saturation levels which had been frighteningly low soared she began to breathe more easily the frantic crying stopped and her normal pinkish color quickly returned over the next weeks her health improved steadily and her new less lonely quarters in in her new less lonely court so it's kind of a real story it wasn't about there's a weird thing about like it, in Joel's story, she had a heart condition. That's not true. She was just really screaming and crying and uncomfortable, and she was running out of oxygen. And there is actual science behind this. The, um, hugging actually can help regulate your bodies. It stimulates the release of oxytocin, which is which is what helps maintain your breathing, and it's also like a pleasure hormone. But anyway, there is some science behind it. Olstein takes enough of it. That it makes his point, but doesn't actually really tell the whole truth, right. which I think is kind of shitty for a, a Christian to deceive his readers as much as this guy has, and in such a provable way.
2: I have way too checkered past to do this because I'm like, I, I, I know I know how stuff works. They'd go after me, so I'm not gonna do it. But I'm gonna get Bix to look up all these stories and find out
3: <laughs> which is bullshit, which. <laughs> well i i've done a few of them most of them are, there's too few details to actually be able to look it up
0: well it's like a fox news or something like editorializing something right they take just enough of the truth to where they can present the story and then put in their own details to make it more like for their uh,
3: audience dalton what do we say on this podcast literally every episode
0: don't let the truth get in the way of a good story
3: this is exactly what this is this is like the the embodiment of that um yeah so yeah I, I just it's, it's wild and it just and like he keeps going but then this is this is one of my favorite parts and i know i keep saying it's my favorite part but it's just so like as you dig through this book there's so much other shit that you're just like oh my god he keeps going so how how does someone like uh joel osteen choose to give back you know, you might be asking yourself, uh-huh. right? He he's, buys himself a Lambo and a eight million dollar mansion. <laughs> obviously, by giving money away, right? Right, you would think so, right? Uh, well, let's 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 read his book. Oh, and, please and, tell me
0: he's like one of those guys that walks around the malls with like a free hug sign taped to a shirt. I
3: don't like Kristen
0: Weston Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: no, not exactly, but I think you're gonna like this anyway. Um, A few years back, I bought an expensive, top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art, push lawnmower. I was so proud of that lawnmower. Then, about that time, my dad went to be with the Lord, and a lot of things changed in my life. I became a pastor, and my schedule became much busier. So busy, in fact, that I didn't have time to mow my own lawn anymore. I had to hire someone to do it. I stored my state-of-the-art lawnmower in my garage with all my other lawn equipment, Every time I pulled my car into the garage, I could see it and enjoy it. One day, as I pulled into the garage, I heard a voice deep inside saying, Joel, you ought to give away all that long equipment. My first reaction was, hey, wait a minute. I paid a lot of money for that lawnmower. I'd hardly even used it. It's brand new. Besides, I may need it again one day. What if I get fired? Uh, Our minds can conjure up all kinds of excuses when God begins unclasping our sticky fingers. Human nature wants to hold on to everything. So, being the deeply spiritual man that I am, I totally ignored the voice. Week after week went by, and every time I pulled in my garage, I felt convicted. There was my brand new lawnmower, hardly used, and it was not doing anything anybody a bit of good. There was my leaf blower, my weed eater, and my edger. There was all the other wonderful lawn gear stuff. I knew I was never going to use it again. I knew that 20 years from now, it would probably still be sitting there, but I just couldn't Bear the thought of giving away something so new, something I love so much. After all, I hardly even used it. I pulled in the garage another day, and I heard the voice say again, Joel, you're either going to give that lawnmower away, or you're going to start mowing your own lawn again. I gave it away less than 30 minutes later. Ha 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 ha. He gave away trash. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing. He literally wasn't using. Would never. What if I lose my job? Your fucking family runs a church, asshole. You're not losing your job. What? He, that's trash. He gave away. Like to us, it's not like right. Like right. I would love a new lawnmower. That's great. But to him, if you're not using a thing and it's just sitting there not being used, that's trash. And your story
3: is like I gave away trash look at me look at how good i am i gave my lawnmower away you're so fucking generous jesus christ what a great
2: story you. if you're not a goddamn millionaire
3: <laughs> 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 but like it even it like even reveals it in the story he's like now i had oh um, you know i got this new job and now i have to pay someone to mow my lawn for me so i'm never gonna use this product anymore but i'm like yeah, yo dude really you know what I will. I will say this. This
0: would be a great story if he wasn't the fucking one saying, it, like, telling it. If he, if it wasn't him, anybody but him. If like, if Austin gave away a lawnmower, that'd be awesome. Good for Austin. You know, fucking Joel Osteen, give me a break. Bro. <laughs> you earn it's, like
3: a lawnmower an hour. <laughs> oh, it's worse than that. <laughs> it's it's so, it's so 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 bad. And 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 this is when he starts to get into, you know just just like the giving he starts like first it's like looks and then it's like things and then then it gets into like giving money and and tithing and how important that is in your life and like your future success and he gives some like weird examples but then like we're all building up for like when he's like give me your money right i mean like that's (laughs) we all know it's coming and this is when he this is when he goes so he goes so somebody wrote me joel i sure like that tie you wore last week on television so I just boxed it up and mailed it to him. I thought, that's too good an opportunity to pass up. Right. His used tie. This is what he's giving away. <laughs> and then in parentheses, because he, he thinks he's funny, he says, now don't you write me and tell me you like my suit or the car I drive. That's cheating. You know my secret. I'm like, dude leave comedy to funny people there i can leave my fucking
0: car away
4: <laughs>
0: you're gonna have this shit i don't use but you
3: leave my lambo alone so he said uh you may say joel i could never do something like that giving something that to somebody simply because they paid me a compliment fine but do what you can do you can give somebody a ride you can call somebody and encourage them you can go to the grocery store for an elderly person you can do something start today learn to stretch your faith do something out of the ordinary If you want an extraordinary harvest, sow an extraordinary seed. Instead of sitting home watching TV every night, why not spend some of that time doing something for someone else? Instead of going out to eat at an expensive restaurant, why not save the money and sow it as a seed? If you normally give 10% of your income, stretch your faith a bit and give 11%. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Get a little more seed in the ground and watch what God will do. The scripture says, quote, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. In other words, if you give with a teaspoon, it's going, to be, it's going to be given back to you with a teaspoon. If you give with a shovel, it's going to be given back with a shovel. And if you give with a dump truck, then you're going to get a dump truck loads of blessings in your life. The Bible clearly says, quote, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Not you're talking not talking about money.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that verse isn't about money.
3: Mm-hmm. Joel says it is, and boy, he's successful, you right? See, Ed, it must it's be. all about interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not satisfied with where you are in life, increase the amount of seed that you are sowing. The size of your harvest depends on the amount of your seed. Certainly, some people live on limited incomes. It takes everything they have just to make it each month. In my heart. I want to tell them just hold on to what you have you need that money but I know that God's principles are true and I know that it is imperative that the people with the greatest need continue to sow which is fucking demonic yeah <laughs> I'm I'm like like it, I wouldn't even this mad writing it as I am now reading it out loud and putting it into the universe where I'm like yeah. this fucking scumbag is like I know people are financially challenged but they should be the ones that give the most
4: yeah. fuck you <sighs>
0: Yeah, that's a special kind of fucked up. Like I don't know. Whenever like I hear stuff like that, I think about my grandparents living off of like Social Security, and like that's somebody coming, coming up to them with the fucking balls to say like you're not giving enough. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, Dude. What I mean? like that, that sucks.
3: I just yeah. want to roll an elbow of this man's teeth right down. This oh throat. my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I will ask you now because we haven't gone through everything, which we will, but. Uh, what do you think is this everything you thought he was or is this worse than you thought he was ed um it's worse because like
2: i didn't realize how little theology is in these books oh god and yeah. that's mostly why it's wor- like i knew that this man was not a good person and would definitely at some point i knew we'd get to like well the poorest people got to give the most because that's how you really show god that you trust them like i because it always gets to that yeah but uh yeah, the fact that like there's just so little theology in these books is where I'm like, this is insane that this took off, and then it wasn't right away like shot down by the entire church community. we like, yep. this is
3: all bullshit. Yeah, so I got two more passages I'm gonna read, and then I'm done with this stupid book, and we could just talk about kind of everything that happened to him after the book, which is maybe even more depressing. But we'll we'll get there. Um, so you know. He does talk about what happens when he's approached by people who say that they're giving all that they can and they're not getting anything in return. And this is his response, which I think is really fucking telling. Um, One fellow said to me, Joel, I've given and given, but I don't ever seem to reap a harvest. I'm always on the giving end, never on the receiving end. Then in quotes, even if you don't see anything happening right now, don't get discouraged, I told him. Don't quit giving. you got to understand that you are storing up God's goodness, and God has promised that your generous gifts will come back to you. One day when you need them the most, they will be here to help you out.
0: So God's like a 401k. You just keep like putting donations in this holy 401k, and yeah. when you hit your limit, they're going to give it right
3: back. It's, it's like like the first thing he says is, for don't ever fucking stop. Don't stop giving. Like that's, that's the most important message. Don't, it'll come back at some point. Don't stop giving. And this guy's like, I'm broke. I'm, I, I don't know, whatever his story is. But don't, don't ever stop giving. So why would you never stop giving? And it's because Joel loads it out for us, and I think this is horrifying. God is keeping a record of every good deed you've ever done. He is keeping a record of every seed you've ever sown. You may think it went unnoticed, but God saw it. And in your time of need, he will make sure that somebody is there to help. Your generous gifts will come back to you. God has seen every smile you've ever given to a hurting person. He's observed every time you went out of your way to lend a helping hand. God has witnessed when you have given sacrificially, even given money that perhaps you needed desperately for yourself or your family. God is keeping those records. Some people will tell you that it doesn't make any difference whether you give or not. Or that it doesn't do any good. But don't listen to those lies. God has promised that your generous gifts will come back to you. In your time of need, because of your generosity, God will move heaven and earth to make sure that you are taken care of. I mean, how unfortunate.
2: (laughs) Which is true if you're called to give that much. But if you're being tricked into giving to a millions of dollars megachurch by a grifter, he's probably not going to give you that money back. Mm -hmm.
3: No, and and this is like this is this is only step six, and I was like ready to throw the book down, but I finished <laughs> step seven, and it's fucking boring. It's called choose to be happy, and it's really just a rundown of everything. It's like oh, we're gonna go back, and you deserve to be happy because you're a good person and you make good choices. But yeah, it's just
2: step one. <laughs> Pretty much.
3: It's, it's, it's a lot of the same shit until you get to step six when it's like, give me your money. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's the difference. I, I thought this was what I wrote in my notes is that Peter Popoff said that God was able to direct deposit money into your bank account. Joel is a little bit more subtle. Apparently God has a ledger and you will collect on what you're owed. This is kind of horrifying.
0: It's <laughs> like a loan shark.
3: Yes. <laughs> he's going to like, knocking. <laughs> no, yo, Jesus is actually named Vito and he's, <laughs> you know, he's running a book in a number circle. It, 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 it's just, like, I just, am like, this is terrible. Just imagine like Jesus
0: knocking on your door with a baseball bat like, hey, where's my fucking money? Yeah.
3: <laughs> So, once again, I just want to remind you both that this thing sold 8 million copies. Oh, it's unfortunate. Before we move on, I think I realized something while you were
0: talking about, like, God, like, keeping track of how much money you're giving. Is Santa Claus just a metaphor for God? <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like he's, no, checking, but, it, he's no, checking his list, and he's checking what, it twice.
3: You know what happened is that Santa Claus actually went to Oral Roberts University, which is God's most favored university, and so he learned to be like God.
2: <laughs> Ricky you don't think Jesus and Santa are the same person do you
3: um <laughs> uh, so, yeah he's just it's so sinister and so blatant like he did not even try to hide it it's so obvious and that people fall for the sh- this makes me sad for the people that fall for it it makes me angry with him um So this really, this book launched him into superstardom. I like to launch him into something. I would too. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking wood chipper. It also launched him into millions of people's homes. This guy was on, after the release of this book, was on the Today Show six times. He's been on Good Morning America seven times. He's been on Fox and Friends, Fox News Sunday, Entertainment Tonight, CBS News Sunday Morning, 60 Minutes, Dr. Phil, The Steve Harvey Show, Hannity, Larry Steve King. Harvey. Yeah. Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, Dr. Oz, Oprah, of course, because fuck Oprah, The View, and Meet the Press. All these old people shows, dude. Yeah. Dude, all he's smart, them. though, because he knew if he came to anybody
2: our age, we'd <laughs> call him out on this shit. He's not going to, like, I don't know, he's not on TRL, you know what I mean? <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: Imagine Carson Daly like, all right, now what's
3: this Ledger about? Yeah, Carson would love him, though. Are you kidding me? Oh, Carson would be so into Yeah, he'd be really into this. Um, he also was named by Barbara Walters as one of the 10 most fascinating people of 2006. He's She's pretty fucking fascinating. Fucking fasc- <laughs> yeah, I <don't> <laughs> and I mean, like, like I said, everything about this guy is so meticulously planned out. I mean, he as a whole, and, and we're done with the book, so we're going to talk a little bit like him. But he is so blatant about everything he does. He steers clear of politics and any hot button topics like abortion or same sex marriage Um and he he's like molded himself in this weird place and i don't know if this is true now but it was true where he was like the evangelical that liberal democrats like you know like he's like everybody's friendly little evangelical preacher because he doesn't take a hard line on anything controversial hashtag blm <laughs> rainbow emoji <laughs> well, he- <laughs> no
2: no because he doesn't even go that far with it he no. ignores he ignores
3: social issues altogether. Yeah. And he, he did get pressed for a long time about um, LGBTQ issues and about same-sex marriage. And eventually, he actually had to respond to it. And he said that he thought that the teaching of his faith meant that there shouldn't be same-sex marriage, that it was bad. But that he himself had no issues with gay people personally. So he
0: didn't take a fucking stance. He's a fucking coward. Yeah, that's, that's the opposite of him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. No, that was his answer, though. Yeah, but It's a still... thing a lot of, like,
2: pastors did around that time, too. They're like, well, I personally, I don't have any problems Yeah, with it. But I like, have gay this friends.
3: Book, which the book blunt. says, and it, uh, here's the thing, it doesn't <laughs> at all. <laughs> right. So... But you can't lose your flock. Not over oh, something yeah, like man. that. That's easily preventable. preventable. Like, if you just don't say anything, they'll still follow you. You would think some reporter would have the fucking balls to go like, hey, man.
0: What do you think about abortion? You know, like, like it's not hard. Like, you're in front of the guy already. What's he going to do? Kick you out?
3: He's slick, though. He's yeah, he's good. been trained to, like, dodge these questions yeah. for years now. And he does. He does a really good job. I will say that's probably the best thing he's ever done is being able to kind of avoid controversy for the most part. And we'll get into a little bit of that. Um, but like his sermons, he coordinates them perfectly. Apparently he, he sounds like a little bit of a psychopath where he he practices them for days and days and he practices like the laugh lines, you know, when he stops for a joke and he lets the audience <laughs> laugh and all his hand gestures. He knows how to hit the punchline. Yeah. And then like in the hours before he actually gets on stage, he's locked in his dressing room and no one is allowed to disturb him. Not his wife, not anybody you just leave Joel in that room by himself uh, as he like mentally psychs himself up for delivering a sermon he's it's totally
0: doing like a shit ton of boy right it's
3: it's you know what it is it's like this when he was a producer he was a control freak and I think this is like back to that like I think he's just like a neurotic person who has to control every aspect of his image and his performance um what so Osteen becomes like a household name after this book comes out, but what it did for his church, Lakewood, is even more remarkable. Um, they basically his church went from being a church about Jesus eh, tangentially to a church in the business of Joel Osteen. Like everything pivoted, it is all about this man now. It's got so little to do with the gospel. It's got so little to do with actual mainline Christianity. It is about. Joel Osteen it's it's his show he's the one um it is at one point and I think a couple years ago it got passed up But at one point it was the largest congregation of any church in the country it had over 50,000 members every single week attend services at Lakewood they bought the Houston Rockets old arena yes and that's that's where they
2: have church now
3: Yep, that's they bought insane. the insane. Yes, so they bought the sixteen thousand eight hundred seat compact center, which used to host the Houston 50, Rockets. Fifty thousand
0: people is 60 16. like no. six
3: zero.
0: No one six. 16 is how that's, many it seats. That's still sixteen times the population
3: of my hometown. Right. <laughs> like that's that's fucking nuts. Like he has fifty five zero thousand per week that attend services, but the place seats oh, okay, sixteen thousand. Okay. Wait, um, how does he
0: fit fifty thousand people in a sixteen thousand seat arena? You, you do multiple, multiple services.
3: services, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do three on Wednesday, one on Saturday, one on, or no, one on Wednesday, one on Saturday, three on Sunday. It's like a fucking show at Vegas. Yeah, it's hundred percent. Yeah, just, just you have no idea how close you are to the truth on that. <laughs> um, so he he got a bunch of lawyers and lobbyists to close the deal on the compact center and he made a deal with the city they they signed a 30-year lease on the place with an upfront rent payment of 11.8 million so i mean there's there's some money for him to be able to buy this to rent this place is that a month uh, well, no, that was that was the total rent for 30 years. It was Oh, million. okay, okay, okay. And so then they ended up spending an additional 100 million dollars in re- uh, renovations, pretty much all of which was played by paid by his congregation. Um, this is from again from that Houston Chronicle piece uh, by Catherine Blunt. Very good piece. Um, Osteen asked his congregation to help shoulder the cost of the overhaul through a three-year fundraising campaign. The appeal depicted donations as obligations to God, investments in a spiritual legacy. Cash, property, jewelry, and stocks were all accepted. You taking people's homes? Yep. You're telling me jewelry and stocks
2: isn't just that it's like geared at old people? Yep. You know 100%? what I mean? Yeah, That's the QVC 100%. audience.
0: So, like, he's going, like, you might as well go on QVC and, like, listen. Me, I know you me. guys usually buy jewelry from here, but how about you send me your jewelry?
2: Dude, my grandpa, the like, late stages in his life, was buying like a lot of uh, collector's knives off QVC. And I'm just glad he did that instead of like giving it to <laughs> my grandma. <laughs> to this, since
0: I was in middle school, no, I moved in with her when I was in ninth grade. So, since ninth grade, she has bought this mouthwash. A monthly subscription of this mouthwash to her house from QVC. And she still, like every month, gets boxes of mouthwash from QVC. And I shit you not, in her closet, there's just like this mountain of boxes and it's all mouthwash. I'm like, Grandma, why do you still buy this mouthwash? Like, you never know when you're gonna run out. I'm like, Grandma, there's a fucking mountain of mouthwash in your closet. <laughs> what are you doing?
3: My uh my grandpa invested in gold. Because he was like, ooh, <laughs> pilled by Fox News. It was sad. And when nobody knows, when he died, nobody knows where it was. With no idea. There's gold somewhere. <laughs> I, I, I would bet like
0: $10 that it's like all in his backyard buried.
3: Black I don't think, I don't know if he actually ever got the gold. I think he invested in it and then nobody could figure out how he invested in it. And I'm sure that's what a lot of these strategies are. They're like invest in gold, and then you die and your kids have no idea what you did with all your money. <laughs> <laughs> and they end up keeping it. So anyway, so <laughs> continuing with that piece, it says trust God to provide that he lays on your heart to give, even if the amount is more than your current resources can really or can readily identify Pie. That was a weird sentence. A solicitation read, Remember, these gifts are above and beyond your regular tithes. By the end of 2004, donors had given about $35 million for renovations, according to church estimates. Subsequent contributions and the sale of the church-owned TV station generated another $60 million. The project ultimately cost $115 million. The church closed the gap with a $20 million bank loan, which it is still paying off. Helping I hope they go under. I, I hope, hope. Oh Jules seems everything. God, like saying pay more than you usually do. This is goes above and beyond your tithing, and even if you can't afford it, you should still pay for this big fucking church.
0: How is that not so
3: blatant? Like th- th- that's insane. Like if somebody like
0: when if, when I was religious, like if somebody came up to like my grandparents, like listen. I know y'all are struggling and but you need to pay more than your ten percent this month. They would have told them to fuck off. Yeah. Like, you know, like
4: that's,
3: oh, that's for what? For an arena? Yeah, like, come on. To retrofit man. an arena. But let, let me tell you what you're getting for your money. No expense was spared. Lakewood brought in an Emmy Award winning production designer named Renee Lagler to help design the curved stage and spinning golden globe in the background. This was show business. Part church. Part Broadway. How
2: while they're designing, and someone says a giant spinning golden globe in the background, is there not one person that was just like, "Is that necessary?" <laughs> well, no so, one, dude. So when and I was, but never mind. The answer is because like he, he, he's running everything, and his family is. So yeah. there's no one to be like, that money could be used better elsewhere. Because yep. never mind, there is no better use to that
3: money than a giant spinning golden globe. I, and that's when I first watched, it, I was like, this is so fucking audacious and ridiculous. Like, wh- why? Why is no one saying no? But then I w- went and watched his first sermon back when he was in his daddy's church. And behind him, lo and behold, was a giant golden globe. So this is something that he inherited from his dad. And so any of the old timers that have been following for a while were like, oh, yeah, his daddy had a, a globe. Why can't he Do so the first based off of daddy issues? Well, yeah, I think he had a lot of daddy issues. <laughs>
2: The first time, if I would've been in that room, they're like a giant golden glove. Be
3: like golden calf. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's true. Well, how do you
2: guys not? How are you not connecting this? Like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> and if you've ever actually watched one of his sermons, which unfortunately I can now say that I have, it is so produced. It is so like coordinated, and it's there's a lot of music involved. Musical acts, musical acts, and then Joel, musical acts, musical acts, and actually Joel. T- in a weird thing, he Please never he actually sings no but he doesn't ask for money he gets off the stage before they ask for money so he's never the person that asks for money directly during that's smart yeah what do they
0: what do they do exactly do they pass around the offering plate to all sixteen thousand people or is there like oh yeah hey you could PayPal me
3: no there's 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 envelopes around the church and then they also do the buckets Um, And then they also have people, because these broadcasts go out to about 10 million people every week, there's people that, like, other pastors come on stage and ask directly for the money. Osteen never asks for money. I can imagine on the broadcast, like,
0: hey, guys, my cash app is Dollar Sound Good
3: Vibes for Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, the $11.8 million on lease sounds like a lot of money, right? Because it is a lot of money. But they actually ended up selling their old church for $15 million. So this was nothing to get this compact center for them. Like, the biggest expense was the renovation, but we've already talked about where that money came from. Um, and then a few old years people. later, the Houston City Council voted to sell the arena outright to the church for an additional $7.5 million. So they they got this big arena for less than $20 million. Which tax free too. Yeah, tax free, 100% tax free.
0: Oh that's another thing. They don't have to like report this money to the government or nothing. No,
3: nope no. nope. Yep. So yeah, yeah, there's that. So they have multiple services in the church every week, but they also have these things called Night of Hope events. And that is once a month, they go to an arena around the United States and they hold a giant congregation, an arena. It's like a today's version of a tent revival. This is what I learned about the Night of Hope events. They actually charge admission. There it is. Okay. I was going to say that. I was like, you know, they charge you for this, right? (laughs) They charge, I mean, in this article I'm reading, and it may have gone up from there, but they charge $15 a ticket to attend church. Dalton, have you ever paid money to attend church? (laughs) I'd pay money to not go to church. (laughs) (laughs) It's the wildest thing. And they also, they claim that they actually are lost leaders and that the ticket sales don't actually pay for the production of these Night of Hope. And that they are just good for recruiting people, which I have a problem with. But there's no way to prove that because they don't open their books. Why would you charge if you weren't making money for it? I agree. I totally agree. You would just do it for free. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, they have a TV show syndicated around the world, and I also learned this, they even have a 24-hour channel on Sirius XM Radio. What? Lakewood Church. It's devotion and sermon and song. Eric the actor high-pitch Eric ever call into these shows? <laughs> I don't think it's a call-in show. Oh, man. Be- <laughs> and probably for that reason. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Dude, can you imagine eric the actor just giving joel osteen shit? like you left me on
3: hold for 45 minutes <laughs> i don't he doesn't do a lot with like live audiences i think for this reason say he knows. doesn't
2: do a lot with the whack pack
3: <laughs> kill like, no, you don't say
0: all right i'm going to edit this out but is eric the actor and eric the midget the same person yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. i just prefer okay. the second name because it's way funnier to me because he was in like
3: three <laughs> tv shows and he was adamant that he was eric the actor um, so we talked a little about his family, but his family is still very much like the operational backbone of the church. And they have done everything they could to shield Joel from any controversy. Like it, it, there is such a big history of like preachers getting into trouble. You can understand why they're like, this guy is our golden goose. We cannot let anything happen. Yeah, dude, guy. they learned from all of those guys from the 80s and 90s. This guy is like Thanos of... Like televangelists and yeah. prosperity <laughs> gospels he he like studied everybody that came before him and saw all of their mistakes and has managed to avoid every single one of them. He's not stupid. And that's no. like one thing you can say about it. He is a smart, smart dude. hundred percent. He is, he, he, he has studied the game. He knows what not to do and he's managed to do it and he's pulled it off and no one has been able to take him out so far. Eventually, maybe if it starts to slip, but right now, I mean, he's fucking bulletproof. He actually, you know, what he reminds me of is Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like yeah, the that way that comparison. Scientology uh, like, shields Tom Cruise, Lakewood Church shields Joel Osteen. You know, except Joel Osteen is also still kind of in charge, yeah. you know, but yeah. like, and, and Tom Cruise is just like the attraction. But like Osteen is both. He's the boss and the attraction. And he's got this whole oh, network of I'm sure
0: of that board of directors is like telling him, like, you can't do this. You can't say this. You can't do that. The same way Scientology is telling Tom Cruise, you can't
3: do Dude, this. Dude, no, I that. bet
2: he knows. Oh, he knows. He doesn't have to be told these things. Like, yeah, he's be, aware. Like He's think- much smarter than Tom Cruise. Do I think Joel Osteen is a good Christian man and would never do blowing hookers? N- no, I don't think it's because he's a good Christian man. I think it's because he knows that this is his cash cow and he can't threaten it. Yep. So he's not even tempted to do these things because, like, money is his vice. It's not drugs or sex. Like, money is his vice. And if anything else gets in the way, then he loses that. So he's smart enough to know that. He's I'm not saying that. You know, I would go do
0: blowing hookers. But I'm saying, what, what's the use of having this money if you can't have fun with it? Like, what, like, what's keeping him from like going? He's in
3: control stuff? of all of this yeah. money and 400 people in his staff. Yeah, yeah. That's like, the
0: thrill is to have yeah, this yeah, thing. yeah.
3: Like he he's
2: the head of 50,000 people that come to like. Get like they, they lean on his every word and listen to everything he's saying. And he's a millionaire, and like that's the throw for him. Is yep. like he's in control of all of this.
0: I so think the whole thing is just to feed his narcissism, yes,
3: yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, I'd put him in that category with like Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, where like th- just having all that money is all that they need. Is that milk? It's Fiji water. Oh, but you can't I see you just, it because it keeps
0: going away. I thought you're just straight out drinking a carton of milk. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so one thing the church does do, and I think this is actually really smart, and this like feeds into that whole, them, them really smart about it, is they maintain that there is a barrier between the church income and Osteen, right? They say mm-hmm. Osteen doesn't get any money from the church, right? None of that. That just goes into the church. Osteen only gets money from his book sales. That's why he's wrote 19 of them. Yeah so i also once, don't think that's true but <laughs> I, I have my doubts but here's here's what this is from the houston chronicle again um Osteen doesn't flaunt a life of luxury but he does enjoy one he and his family live in a 12 million dollar river oaks mansion with 13 rooms a pool an elevator and five fireplaces public records show he and his wife victoria um also, a best-selling author, stopped taking salaries from the church in 2005. They live instead on book royalties. Unlike some other televangelists, they have not declared their home a parsonage, which would make it tax-exempt. They paid nearly $250,000 in Harris County property taxes last year record show. What a genius, dude. I know. It's sinister, though. Yeah. Yet, The cost of operating the church and showcasing Osteen on its many platforms does not come out of their pockets. It's paid almost entirely by his millions of followers. Lakewood took in about 89 million during the fiscal year that ended March 31st, 2017, according to its financial statement. Of that total, nearly 93% was donated via, my, via mail, internet, or collection buckets in response to an understand, understated yet persistent message that God will bless those who support the church's mission. So 93% I- of their operating money came from their members. Dude, I believe him when he says that he doesn't take like
2: any money from the church and it's all book revenue. Because it, like, it's genius because he studied the stuff and he knows like he doesn't want his he doesn't want to get his fingers sticky like in that like aspect of it. It's like so doesn't have anything to do with that. He's got his own money. Like, dude, this guy is he's smart. It he's reminds smart, me of uh, wow. Jeff, it
0: reminds me of Jeff Bezos like saying he only takes a dollar a year salary from Amazon. That way he can avoid his taxes. Like that's why this reminds me of.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So the church spent uh, in in 2017, which when they made um, when they made $89 million, they spent 70% of the budget on television broadcasts, weekly services and programs, and the night of hope events. Almost all the rest went to administration and fundraising, leaving little for humanitarian efforts, such as feeding the homeless or helping at-risk youth. Lakewood spent less than 1.2 million on missions and community service that year.
0: So, uh, and that's awful. You're making all that money, and that's all you can afford to spend on this.
3: Yeah, 1.2 million out of 89 million goes to actually outreach and helping the community. These guys are fucking monsters. They, they, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Dude, there's no – so another reason I believe that they aren't Christians is because there's no way they could think there's a Jesus and a heaven and a hell. You know what I mean? Right. Like, when they're dead, there's no way that they could do this and then also think that they're going to heaven when they die. There has yeah. to, like – How do you sleep at night
3: knowing that that's what you took? Right. This fucking, man,
2: just
0: – it's awful. It's terrible. It's terrible. You're, like – I'm like, this just makes me think of, like, all the – older people that are like living off of social security and retirement and all that stuff they're up late at night they see joel erstein they're like you know what i'm gonna give my money to that yeah, he's and doing that good just, things yeah right and that sucks because like so many good people get tricked and they have good intentions they sending this money not knowing that they're being robbed
3: but and his sermons are like rife with this shit. they they always cut two segments of like I I watched one today and it was like at a local high school and the Lakewood church had donated a bunch of school supplies to the church. And he's like, thank you so much Lakewood high school for donating all of these supplies. And I'm thinking that didn't cost them shit compared to if you knew what they were making. Versus like we're gonna buy you some fucking pencils and pads of paper. Fuck off. Fuck all the way off. Like donate a wing to the to the to the high school or donate a computer lab or something that actually costs a little bit of money.
0: It's like when Bill Gates donates like twenty five thousand dollars to a charity of his choice. Man, fuck off. Yeah, fuck (laughs) off,
3: man. God, it's it's really yeah. So. We don't know for sure, because again, he doesn't he has no obligation to, you know, post this stuff publicly. But estimates for his fortune are anywhere between forty and one hundred million dollars for what he's what he's actually worth. a lot of fucking books, yeah. <laughs> and And it's actually believable you know in, in the way the book sales uh, go mm-hmm. i mean book sales authors typically get especially for first books anywhere from 10 to 12% um of the book sales when you sell 8 million copies it is very believable that he made at least 10 million million on just that first book yeah 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 so i'm totally not surprised by that number how much do fucking books cost 20 to 30 20 bucks what 20 the 20 fuck bucks?
0: people are paying that much to read <laughs> total <Don't>, jeez <laughs> <laughs>
3: This is also 2004. This is when like Barnes and Noble were a thing. You'd watch a go movie, to you
0: fucking nerds! <laughs> you, trust me, you don't want to watch.
2: You don't want to watch a
3: Christian movie. You yeah. don't want
4: to.
0: It's
3: only read so the book. far Veggie Tales can take you.
0: And <laughs> like, oh, it had to be like 2012 or 2013. My friend Stevie took me to see God Is Not Dead <sighs> in the theaters. Ooh. And it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And like Kevin Sorbo is
3: the atheist professor. (laughs) I told her that she was so
0: offended because she thought it was such a good movie.
3: (laughs) Um, I helped with youth group for like
2: a number of years and we took them to see that and I said the same thing. I was like, this movie is garbage. Like this is in <laughs> so t- no world. And like people were arguing with me. I was like, in no world is a professor on day one gonna make you write the words God is dead on a piece of paper
0: <laughs> It is not <laughs> real life.
2: Like <laughs> that dude would get kicked out of that
0: college dude, so fast. Can you imagine? <laughs> like,
3: yeah. It's like, there's no way. There's no way. Like this is so stupid. It's a dog shit movie. I've never even watched the movie. I watched a YouTube guy review the movie. And I was like, I'm so glad that that there's like this fucking one layer between us right now.
2: Dude, I went off about one of those movies one time because just the writing of it drove me. And it wasn't even like the message. It was the writing of it. Like this guy works for a pharmaceutical company, right? And they catch him skimming pills and he loses his job. But he's got like this nice ass house. And uh, his wife's a realtor and he's helping this old lady sell her like little house right and she's got a little prayer room in it and that's what the whole movie is about is like her little prayer room and the power of prayer right so like the obvious outcome of that movie is like they find jesus and then they buy this little old lady's little old house right because like that's how no dude he gets his job <laughs> back and they're still millionaires and they sell <laughs> this lady's house and make money on top of that
3: <laughs> oh, it's it's uh, gone so off the
0: trail the, so the rails christian movies bad but the people that are making vegetales keep up a good work
3: he's a kind of a cool dude i have to say i've seen him i've seen him talk um he released a few youtube videos he seems like an all right dude like he seems to kind of get it so yeah so obviously the big one of the big controversies that he has is that he has so much money mm-hmm. and when he's confronted about that he kind of has like this canned answer. Um, Osteen responds that building a personal fortune is not in conflict with his belief that God wants all who worship him to prosper. He casts Lakewood's expert use of marketing and media as the contemporary equivalent of shouting from the mountaintop. And he notes (laughs) that millions of people find solace and strength in his sermons. You, you want the quote you ready for it yeah this is from olstein i've outlasted the critics and figure out what i feel like i'm supposed to do he said in one of two lengthy interviews with the houston chronicle if you have a message to get out there's never been a better day i've outlasted the critics
2: is not <laughs> the endorsement he thinks it is no, that's like well bastard. there's been shittier people than me like <laughs> That's so masturbatory too. It's like
0: he's beating his meat on top of his pedestal. It's like, oh, they came after me, but they could never get me. They can never stop me. <laughs> it's
3: it's it's like Leroy Jenkins talking about how if Jesus was still alive, he'd be driving a Cadillac because he was the king and deserved the best.
4: <laughs> he rode a
3: donkey. I know, I... but that's <laughs> Yes, he said that. He's like when Jesus was alive, he rode a donkey, but if he was alive today, he'd be in a Cadillac. so it's not just books that he sells on his site either right he's got cds of music that they produce at the church and dvds of sermons and inspirational videos anything that can turn into merch is this is very pro wrestler of him like if there's an opportunity to sell some shit with joel osteen's brand on it he will and what i discovered today which blew my mind is something called the inspiration cube this is alexa for christians it is (laughs) <laughs> it, is, it is, I almost bought this for your birthday, Dalton. Had I known that this was a thing before I actually bought what I bought for your birthday, this is what you would have gotten. The, um, so the portable Inspiration Cube gives you over 400 encouraging audio messages. Mm. Personally selected by Pastor Joel, the audio device doubles as a Bluetooth speaker with high quality sound and optional headphone port. This is literally this little box that has a screen and you hit play on it every day and it plays you a different message from Joel Osteen in his voice. <laughs> Can you fucking imagine? How much is this? It's if uh, donations of $50 or more, you get uh, inspiration so you. So a inspiration. So it costs donations. So he's just
2: taking that 50 It's not even taxed.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gift oh for your donation. Oh,
2: God.
0: That's, yep. uh, that dude's so, that's so smart. I've that's never so...
3: seen anything like this. I was like completely mind blown.
0: That's so it's shitty but it's so smart just like the word it that way so you don't have to have any tax on it
3: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah ed i think you hate this guy more than you thought you would like you kind of knew what you were walking into i'm hoping maybe i blew your mind a little bit Fucking did so we're not over we're gonna we're gonna we got we're gonna start to wrap up in just a second um so his approach by focusing on the positive aspects of his faith have drawn him a ton of criticism from Christian scholars and preachers. Um, on October 14, 2007, 60 Minutes ran a 12-minute segment on Osteen titled Joel Osteen Answers His Critics, during which Reformed theologian Uh, Theologian, sorry. Michael Horton told CBS uh, News correspondent Byron Pitts that Osteen's message is heresy. Horton Horton said that the problem with Osteen's message is that it makes religion about us instead of about God. Yeah. He continued to say... And this is from Horton. My concern is that Joel Osteen is simply the latest in a long line of self-help evangelists who appeal to the Native American obsession with pulling ourselves by our own pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Salvation is not a matter of divine rescue from the judgment that is coming on the world, but a matter of self-improvement in order to have your best life now. Um, He also, another critic of his um, in a piece on churchpeople.com by Kerry Kent said, God has entrusted us with his word, gospel, and people. We must not shy away from preaching the full counsel of God, presenting people with the fullness of who Jesus is in light of who and what we are, and that without him, the wages of our sin is death. So he's been taken to task by a lot of people that actually do follow the gospel and teach the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, just, I just wish somebody
0: could like fucking get in a room with him and just like confront him about all his bullshit.
2: It'll never happen though. They'll never put him in that situation. It's like a Stephen Crowder. It's like how you'll never see Stephen Crowder debate anyone that can actually debate. It's always going to be comedians and college kids because like a real person that knows what they're talking about and is like will just tear him apart. Because Stephen Crowder is just a failed actor who's an asshole. Yep. It's like Although, Jake
0: Paul was fucking boxing fights. You'll never see him fight a boxer because he knows he'll lose. And that so Mayweather's be, a boxer, sir. Wait, no, he did. Logan Paul fought Mayweather. Jake I don't Paul know which Paul the... is which Paul.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I will say, did you see the Steven Crowder, Sam Cedar? Yeah. Thing? I saw Were them you scream you? over each other. Yeah. It wasn't a debate. Went, it was them he, yelling over each other. No, it wasn't a debate. Crowder ran away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like, oh my God, Steve, Sam Cedar, this is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, dude. That's the, like, yeah, he won't. And. What's, what's his excuse? It's like, Sam Cedar, I won't have you on my show because nobody knows who you are. And right. Sam Cedar's you know, like, I'm on
3: it right now. I'm yeah, on it. Do it. I'm already here. Just do it. And he's like, no, 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 no one knows you. I'm I'm a Sam Cedar fan, so I, I, like I Sam was like, Cedar movie made, made me happy when that happened.
2: Who was
0: Steven Crowder?
3: Louder was I'm Crowder, just, bud. Hey, you do know you know what? the change my
2: mind meme where he's like sipping his little yeah, coffee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Steven Crowder. That's Steven Crowder. Okay. He likes to go in and compare trans people to people that think they're a moose and thinks that that's a really good point. And um, it's just basically the same shit as Ben Shapiro, except like Steven Crowder might be able to win a
3: fight because he's kind of big. Yeah, He works out. Yeah. And he's not five foot two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so he, Osteen has actually responded to this directly and it's in the worst way possible. Right. So this is what he says when people are like, hey, you only po- focus on the positive stuff of your faith and not anything else. And this is what he usually says. People already feel guilty enough. They're not doing what they should, raising their kids. We can all find reasons. So I want them to come to Lakewood or our meetings and be lifted up to say, you know what? I may not be perfect, but I'm moving forward. I'm doing better. And I think that that motivates you to do better.
2: What, what does that mean? <laughs>
3: I don't know. It's a garbled <laughs> bullshit. He's like, "You know what? Life is tough. The last thing a preacher should do is to make you feel worse about your situation." Basically. Oh, God, this thing sucks. This dude sucks. <laughs> so, now we're going to talk about really quickly a couple of controversies and it it, it's it that we mentioned already. So, he's had two things that kind of stuck with him and When I looked into them, neither were as big as they seemed, maybe. Mm -hmm. So we talked about Hurricane Harvey, hit Houston, 2017, and the accusation was that he didn't open up his church, which is unusual because he had previously opened up his church for weather refugees. So it's a little weird that he wouldn't have done it during Harvey. Some of the guys that worked at his church mentioned that it was because his church had been flooded. He came back and after some, you know, some spin said, No, we're open. We've always been open. Please send your refugees here. We'll take them. It's a weird story. It it probably shouldn't have really been a story, other than that he is Joel Osteen and people are mm-hmm. like out to get him. Yeah. And I don't know how much validity there is. I do know that like churches like his are not great places for refugees because there's no open space. It's all stage or chairs. And so like people laying down or sleeping or sitting up cots, it's not the best area. But regardless, it's like it's it's such a weirdo controversy. And it definitely felt like gotcha, which leads well, me. Yeah, because they don't he doesn't give you anything to right. get him with. So like yeah. little things like this, you got to dive on. Yeah, like like, 100%, and so they ended up donating $1.1 million uh, in building supplies back to the city of Houston, and they marshaled a uh, 2,500-person volunteer squad to go out and help displace people. But again, you're going back to that oh, that's so wonderful. You gave 1.1 $1. 1 million of your, right. you know, $87 million worth of income. God, you're fucking generous. Like, this is so good for you. Could good, you imagine,
0: good. to put this in the scale, could you imagine, like, a homeless person coming up and asking for a dollar? And you're like, no, I need this dollar, but I will give you a
3: penny. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this fucking, like, that. I mean, that's what it is, right?
3: It's just on a bigger scale. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And so, uh, the Lamborghini story... Also, unfortunately, not true. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> he may own a Lamborghini, but he's never been photographed, and it's not that Lamborghini. And I was really bummed about that. What, but he still, he still owns a Lamborghini, there. Maybe we don't know.
0: Wait, I thought you said he does own a Lamborghini; it's just not photographed.
3: No, I said he could, but it's never been oh, photographed. Like, oh, okay. it's very possible that he has one in his in his in his garage, but he's never been seen with it. It was not the Lamborghini that was that was posted in that meme. In fact, it was actually two different Lamborghinis that were photographed for that one meme that said it was Joel Osteen's Lamborghini. But I think it's promising in that like there's enough people who are under his bullshit that want to expose him for the liar yeah. and the fraud that he is that they're willing to make stuff up. And <laughs> a lot of people believe it.
0: <laughs> you know, it's like,
3: oh yeah, we can totally see that douchebag.
0: Well, do that kind of gives him ammo,
3: right? Because you can go out in public
0: and be like, no, that's not true. And it have validity. And then these people are like, oh, okay, well, that's not true. Then let's check this guy out and see what he's all about. Right. So making even though like you're trying to fight the good fight and attack somebody, it's still like it serves them better if you're making up bullshit.
3: Yep. Yep. And you know what? It's been happening for years. I mean, I looked at just at Snopes alone, the amount of stories that were proven false about Joel Osteen that circulated on social media is pretty incredible. Like So I mean, the official
0: stance of Austin is Joel Osteen. I'm not a bad
3: guy. No, I think, he's just, I, I think he is the smartest grifter we've ever covered Yeah, because he's able to do this without getting caught. And he's learned from every single person that's done the same grift before him and has managed to do it in such a way to avoid all those mistakes. And I think that makes him actually more dangerous than anybody we've talked about.
0: So couldn't he just like go on Google Earth and just look in his driveway?
3: I mean, he's got a garage. Have you seen the house? No. Oh, you know, there's a garage on the house. It's got giant pillars in front thing of it. The thing is massive. There's a there is a Google Earth shot of the house. It is this crazy, crazy house. I mean, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. Fuck oh, man. Yeah. He figured it out. He may have broken the code. He may he may be the one that's like, oh my god, he figured out how to do it and get away with it and never be arrested and never lose his fortune.
0: He won't get away with it. The, the Empire gets to his dumbass kids. And then they'll fuck it up and expose all the, that's dealers. not him
3: though. But that's not him.
2: I agree. His kids may, he won't, yeah, dude. He won't. He's like a robot at this point. <laughs> yep.
3: He will go to the grave. A very rich man, <laughs> the um, basic
0: man of evangelical evangelical Christians, man. not a back, not a good comparison.
3: No, it's pretty, really good. And it's just upsetting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just wish
2: I just wish more people were Francis Chan and it's not do you know who Francis Chan is. No, he's the i always say like he's the anti joel osteen where francis chan had this um mega church in simi valley right thousands and thousands of people and they're building a new campus and uh he's like well why don't we use this money here to help it was christian children's fund at that point right he's like they need a warehouse and a distribution center why don't we just build that for them instead of like doing a new building and all the elders are like no that's our money why do we It's for us. (laughs) He realized then like, oh, oh, this is all really evil, actually. So he stepped down and then he started doing home churches where like once you get 20 people, you have to make a new church. Like only 20 people max, right? So that way it doesn't get out of hand. He's never taken money. He's wrote tons of books, gives away all the money that he makes from the books. He lived in like a ranch style home in like California forever. And then uh, he's like a, his parents are like from China, right? So like during the COVID when all that was going on, he moved to China because he saw that the American right was like so against Chinese people and everything that he's like, well, that's where I need to be because if these people hate them. He's like, he went over there. He's like, they have an underground church. Like so These people like believe this stuff so much that they're doing it underground and risking their lives. And over here, they're arguing with me about trying to give money to a charity. So he like moved his entire family to China during COVID. <laughs> he, like, wow. Lives there to an underground church now.
3: That's incredible. Uh, See. Yeah. That, those are the people that don't get spotlight. And we're guilty of this too, right? Because yeah. we just spotlight the scumbags. But. Well, he's the
2: only one. I don't have another example.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's just
2: Francis Chan. Like anytime someone's like pastors, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, no way. Well, Francis Chan's All right. So Go maybe
3: we, we elevate Francis Chan uh, into our James Randi um, spear of good guys out there doing actually good work
0: great segue because I was going to ask you has there been like a James Randy investigation on the
3: Joel scene? No. He, not you much know, to investigate on him, man. There's not. He's not
2: outright th- grifting people. He's just selling books.
3: Yeah. He's just doing the religious he's smart. thing. He's I also smart. think I think that Randi was he was very old by the time that Joel Osteen really popped up and he felt, I I can I don't know this for sure, but I think he probably felt like, hey, I've exposed enough of these bozos that you should know that this guy's <laughs> up to no good at this point. If you're listening <laughs> to me, you should know this guy's trouble. But this is like the first one that we've had that's still going, like contemporary. I mean, I guess Popoff's still around, but I, I fucking hate that guy. Um, so, yeah, Osteen is, he's, fuck, he's up there too. And he's just got such a punchable face. I want to knock all his teeth yeah, out. He's a fucking horse In face, Minecraft. jackass. He should have been beat up as a child. Yeah, I don't know if he was homeschooled or not. He might have been. Dude, he had he to looks be.
2: homeschooled. He had to be.
3: <laughs> he fucking looks homeschooled, man. Uh it wouldn't surprise me at all. But yeah, that's that's Joel. And he's still around. And I, I gotta say, I think he's bulletproof at this point. Yep. I don't I I don't see any other than like a big scandal bringing him down. I don't think you're gonna stop the dude. I think he's going to keep going. That's unfortunate. Well, I mean, there's got to be something.
0: Some, everybody does something bad. Everybody does something bad. There's got to be something. He's got to have a, some bias. There's got to be something that like can bring him down, right? Like you would think. Like not this guy.
2: <clears throat> no. I would say you're right about everybody else, but he's like, he's a true student of the game, man. No, he's learned from all those idiots that we're talking about that would
3: fuck it all up.
2: He learned from them. He's not going to do that.
3: <sighs> it's <was> unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the this is the point in the podcast that I make Dalton very sad because we always end on this note where it's like this fucking asshole (laughs) he stole all these millions and got away
0: with it what are your (laughs) thoughts Dalton
3: (laughs) and my thought is usually let's start our own grift
0: because this is some bullshit (laughs) um coming soon to patreon if you catch my grift
3: (laughs) (laughs) or please don't catch on to our grift (laughs) (laughs) as we unveil the next chapter in this project (laughs) <laughs>
0: oh man! Well, so, that's all I
3: got. Any man, final thoughts? thoughts from you guys?
2: I hate this man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> just, I just don't. I just hate him. There's a I correct answer, him. and that was it. That was the right answer. Yeah. this
0: guy sucks. Yeah, this dude sucks. I never. We'll probably hear about him again, right, in future episodes. Oh,
3: absolutely. Uh, he, he'll he'll show up. He's like I said. If, if you know, we wouldn't have a show anymore if everybody. Base their grift on this guy because it's so watertight. It, it's just, it's brilliantly done and executed. And I mean that in the worst way possible.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anytime I say how smart he is, it's not me. I'm not in all of them. Like I'm disgusted by how smart he is.
3: Yeah. 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 So um, we're going to have to have you back on, Ed, for uh, Teary Tilly. Is- oh, Teary Tilly. Yeah, dude, the yes. Cold of Tilly,
2: I'm big I, into. I was just, I, I was going to make a joke on the way out. It was like, I'll see you guys for Scientology.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either, yeah, we got to do uh, Miscavige or Terry Tilly or both at some point. We'll definitely, you know, have you come back for those. Terry
2: Tilly is a good one. Not a lot of people have covered It's like one YouTuber. Yeah, I know. Like, and I watched that's a it. Really, dude, and there's a movie, too. There's a movie based on it. He's good. I don't want to say it's too not, much because Dalton doesn't know anything yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dalton, don't look at it, a Terry don't, Tilly.
0: Tilly. <laughs> Isn't Terry Tilly the guy on our intro?
2: No. No, no, no. That's a Texas pass. Terry Tilly's Texas. grift is the most insane bad yeah. shit.
3: <laughs> I can't even
2: believe it. When I read it, yeah. I'm like, that didn't happen. How do you people believe this? Yeah. Look at this
3: man. How do you believe this? It's wild. I don't want to look it up. No, no. Don't, 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 don't. It's okay. He'll forget as soon as we hang up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i got tacos waiting on me, bro. Of course yeah, I forget. Yeah, man, go
2: get your tacos.
3: <laughs> Let's wrap this thing up and go home.
0: All right, Where's Ed, you? where can they find you?
2: You can follow me on Twitter at PodVanEd, and you can Follow the podcast Pod Van Dam at Pod Van Dam. Comes out every Wednesday. <laughs> Ish. Um, Ish. We talk about wrestling, Twitter, and we have a
3: guest on, and it's a it's a fun time. It's a great show, worth the watch. If you've ne- if you don't know what wrestling Twitter is, you watch is like... Pod Van. Where do you watch We're Pod Van Dam? He <laughs> gives us so
2: much money that we let him watch. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: oh man! Speaking of grifts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, guys. We have friends. Check out our friends at Pod Van Dam, IWTV Guide, Wrestling Cheer, Super Fantastic, Super Chat Party, Sweet Stuff and Bitter Things, Har Headed and X Over. We have Twitter. Check us out on Twitter at Catch My Griff Pod. You can find me on Twitter at CatchDalt. And you can find Austin on Twitter at Austin a go-go. Okay, Austin, say the bit. Let's go home, bud. Hey everybody. Stay beautiful. Uh, Fuck Joel Osteen. You guys have a good day. Uh, Check us out later on if you catch my...
2: (laughs) almost <laughs> oh, oh, made the whole show got so close <laughs> if you catch my grip
3: <laughs> stellar job as always uh, thank right you right to the very end <laughs> oh, always. I,
0: was, I always thought like, you'd think I'm going to pull the ship up and then I just like man fuck it <laughs> <laughs> speaking of aren't you guys tired of 9-11 talk I'm just too yeah. cool. <laughs> so over 9-11 man oh. get started uh i got a story i can tell funny story i think probably one of the highlights of my last ohio trip uh me ed and his girlfriend were going to wrestle rager and we all rode together and went to a gas station (laughs) and we got like little alcohols and his girlfriend was hitting up the atm and stuff and me and ed were standing in line to check out and he's paying for the stuff and i watched him reach up quickly take his hat off and put it down to her side, and I was like, "What is he doing?" And we got, and we got, we started walking outside. And
2: Edgar's, my hat says, "Come on!" Yeah, <laughs> I was wearing my <laughs> FMW come hat, and I forgot that I had it on. And like
0: Austin, the
2: cash register lady wasn't offended; she was laugh, like giggling to herself. And I was just like, "What the fuck?" And then it clicks with me why. And I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like, what's-? and we we like walked all over this gas station; like it was big, and we just walked all over it and passed a bunch of people. And like, I told yeah. you, I
3: got I got the same hat, and when I got it, I almost jumped on a work uh, Zoom call with it <laughs> on. I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I was the first one in the meeting, and I could see it, and I was like, "Oh god." <laughs> It is. oh god
2: <laughs> what a nightmare i'm so um, glad they thank you for the hat by the way austin of course i'm so glad they did a reprint of them because like when i i was like i didn't get it and then i saw i think it was Everett connor's wear it and i was just like man i should have got that fmw cum hat i really <laughs> fucked up everyone should have a cum hat
0: <laughs> i kind of want a cum hat now but uh anyway besides the point we're here to talk about we're